Shmai, hello, yo, welcome back. Good morning, good evening, whatever time it is. Good afternoon, maybe. Good night, whatever time it is, wherever you are in the world listening to this. I've got an event that I want to tell you about. It's an online event, so anyone around the globe can attend this. It's being organised by our long-time sponsors, Rugby for Heroes. Um, they, if you don't know, Rugby for Heroes were formed in 2009 in the wake of the death of Private Joe Whitaker, who was sadly killed on operations in Afghanistan, serving with the Parachute Regiment in 2008. Rugby for Heroes raise money for military charities. That's what they do. And they do that through organising fundraising events, one or two a year, um, high-quality events uh, predominantly rugby oriented revolving around the theme of rugby rugby matches rugby festivals and beer and gin drinking and other things um but the pandemic has obviously caused major issues for anything uh, to do with in-person events through 2020 and obviously now early 2021 however rugby for heroes have teamed up with tom kirkpatrick one-man band the amazing Tom Kirkpatrick, I should say, who uh, he, uh, I say amazing because I've experienced this stuff firsthand. I uh, I was very lucky to be part of a an online New Year's Eve gig that he was that he was entertaining the troops on, not the troops, but the people. Well, it was troops watching it, but anyway, entertaining the uh, the the gig goers, the party goers there, and he's an amazing dude, and he has been a huge supporter of Rugby for Heroes for many many years, and so. Tom and Rugby Heroes have teamed up to organise an online live gig on the 13th of March. It is going to start after the England-France match. So it's on the penultimate weekend of the Six Nations competition. And uh, it's going to start at 8pm on the 13th of March. Tickets are a tenner. They're cheap as chips. Um, I mean, when you think about a tenner, that's two pints, right? If you're back in the pubs, the pubs are open. It's only two pints. So... Get across to Rugby for Heroes, uh, their website, rugbyforheroes.org, or go on to get them on Facebook, because there's been an event page set up where you can buy the tickets. And uh, even if you're unsure if you can attend, go and buy a ticket anyway, just in the off chance you are going to be able to attend it. It's online. You, instead of sitting there watching some crap on TV, sit there in the evening watching Tom Crookpatrick's amazing online gig for Rugby for Heroes. Plus, there's going to be a charity it's going to be a it's going to be a, a, a raffle, a giveaway of a bunch of cool prizes on the night. So do that. I can assure you, you will be in good company. I'll be there watching with the missus online. And uh, it's all in the aid of fundraising for military charities. So, yeah, 13th of March, 8pm, the event is. Just get on to Facebook or get into Rugby Heroes' Instagram, Twitter or their, or their website uh, to pick up tickets please do so. I would really appreciate it. They're an amazing organisation. I've been a beneficiary of theirs in the past, which is how I came to know about Rugby for Heroes, because they helped me out in a really a tough time in my life. And um, I'm really glad that they support the podcast. And I am even happier that they're managing to organise a fundraising event while all this crap is still going on. Lockdown, pandemic, it's a nightmare. And Rugby for Heroes are making the best of a bad situation by teaming up with Tom Kirkpatrick to do an amazing event. Thank you to those guys. Thank you. Go pick up a ticket. Also sponsoring the podcast today are Monkey Mountaineering. Monkey Mountaineering are a veteran-owned niche adventure travel company. They were founded in 2017 by Sam Marshall, and they are now in their fourth year providing mountain-based travel and adventure holidays. The main trips they offer include treks up Kilimanjaro, the highest mountain in Africa, Tubkal, 
the highest mountain in Morocco and North Africa, and also Aconcagua. Have I said that right? Aconcagua, the highest mountain in South America. They also offer treks to Everest Base Camp, and they've recently added other treks in Nepal to their portfolio, including a trip to climb Mera Peak, which at 6,467 metres is the highest trekking peak in Nepal. You heard me right. Six and a half kilometres high. That's mental. Straight up six and a half K. Highest trekking peak in Nepal, and you can go there with monkey mountaineering. Sam, the founder, he's been a, he's been a mountaineer for over 30 years. During his service in the army, he was lucky enough to be involved in expeditions to climb hardcore mountains on every continent. He now uses the skills and experience he gained as a military mountaineer to run his company and help people make lifelong memories through fantastic mountain journeys. Specialising in small group travel, all monkey mountaineering trips are planned with military precision and focused on exceeding customer expectations. All their trips can be made bespoke and customised as required. Sam also delivers UK-based challenges such as if such as uh, the National Three Peaks or the Yorkshire Three Peaks. So if you're looking for a challenge or wanting to raise money for a charity, then give Sam a shout. He also provides mountain skills training such as navigation, wild camping and rock climbing. So if you're like, I'd love to go and do that, but I ain't got the skills. Sam, a monkey mountaineering, will square you away with that as well. Everything's achievable with monkey mountaineering for your trekking mountaineering aspirations you can go do it all full details of all monkey mountaineering trips and services can be found on their website which is monkeymountaineering.com they're also on facebook and instagram as at monkey mountaineering so why not check them out give them a like and be inspired by the awesome images from some of their trips i highly recommend the instagram uh, the instagram feed loads of alley for some amazing stuff that they do they're open to individuals, groups, charities, corporates, and military units. They're currently working with Team Endeavour to put a wheelchair user on the summit of Kilimanjaro, as well as arranging in-country logistics support for a planned large RAF overseas expedition. No trip is too large or too small for monkey mountaineering. Just because you can't see the trip you want on their website doesn't mean they can't make it happen, okay? So, if you want to trek it or climb it, then give Sam a shout at Monkey Mountaineering. Get on the website, monkeymountaineering.com, Facebook page, Instagram, and uh, just get in touch with them. If you want to book a trip or get some mountain skills training or just walk through an idea, get in touch with Sam and he will, he'll give you the gen. He'll square you away. And his email is sam at monkeymountaineering.com. Thank you to Sam and Monkey Mountaineering. Also sponsoring the podcast today are the Development Society. The Development Society is a community of people who want to be better than they were yesterday. They're more than just a clothing company. They're truly a community of like-minded people looking to improve. From merchandise, where you have to earn it, not simply buy it, to weekly Zoom yoga sessions. They're the best kind of people you can find. They're hard workers. When I say earning the kit, I literally mean that. When you go on their website... There's kit on that website that you, well, it's priced at like 500 quid for an item of clothing, right? But that's not to rip you off because you're not going to pay 500 quid. However, it's attached to that item of clothing or merchandise. There will be a workout and you complete the workout. 
you prove to DevSoc, the development society, they completed the workout, and they give you a discount code so the item of merchandise comes down to normal prices. So you, you basically you have to complete the workout to get the T-shirt, and the T-shirt or the, whatever the merchandise is is a demonstration that you have done something flipping hard to get it. It's really I love the concept. I love the concept. It's really cool. I'm looking forward to cracking through some of the workouts myself and accessing that merchandise for uh, normal prices, not hundreds and hundreds of pounds. It's really, I love it. I love it. Really good incentive to go and work hard and do something different um, and be part of a, a, a different community, a new community, a, again, of people who want to be better than they were yesterday. We all want to be better than we were yesterday, don't we? This is a way to help you move forward with that. The community is open to all who want to improve. If you want to get involved, join the infamous Daily Waves newsletter and their Slack community. Community, she's a community. Community. They're active on Instagram and Facebook as at the Development Society. And to get more of an understanding about the philosophies, you can visit the Development Society.co.uk. And in their own words, in the meantime, stay wavy. Yeah, DevSoc, go check them out. Development Society, strongly recommend it. And uh, do do the workouts and get that piece of merch on to prove that you've grafted. Yes. Cheers, uh, DevSoc, for sponsoring the podcast. Also sponsoring the podcast today are the Aardvark Group. The Aardvark Group have got deep roots in the military community. They've got a significant proportion of their workforce are ex-military, and uh, they've been working in post-conflict zones for decades now decades they were founded in 1982 with the express objective of developing a mechanical landmine clearing system which would meet the design criteria its founders considered to be the prime critical factors namely for the clearance of all known anti-tank and anti-personnel landmines using mechanical and manual means but also they were formed to locate identify and dispose of all munitions and unexploded ordnance that is a huge undertaking Massive undertaking. It is, in fact, the task to clear the world of landmines is an extremely difficult undertaking. Before them, for more than five decades, they have been going at it. The number of mines around the world, like out there, waiting to mess someone's day up, the, the, the specific number it varies, the estimates vary, but they reckon it's between 90 and 110 million mines knocking about that need to be cleared, like... It's a massive drama, and the problem is not just the number of mines, but it's the huge areas of land that are contaminated by the mines. For example, a small country such as Croatia, which has been very well mapped, it has an area of 4,000 square kilometres contaminated, contaminated by minefields and randomly scattered mines. So they've got an area which is 4 billion square metres that you don't want to be stepping foot in there. The people who live there can't step foot in there because it's just mind city going to mess something up. Aardvark exists to try and clear the world of areas like that. Um, paramount in the back of their mind is cost effectiveness because it's not just about the technology you need to go and clear their areas, okay? It's also the cost of clearance per square meter. It's vital. It's vital to the commercial viability of the clearance process. So cost effectiveness and the safety of the operators are of paramount importance to, the ard to Aardvark. They achieve their aim and are working towards making the world a safer place through technical innovations, not just traditional landmine clearing systems, which they pioneered in building, such as the uh, the, the flail system, but also through uh, 
through new cutting-edge technology, drone technology, surveillance technology. They're all over it. Like I said, they've been doing it for more than five decades. You can find out more about the Aardvark Group at aardvark.group. You can also follow them on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, on, on Twitter, they are at aardvark underscore cm. And then on Instagram, they are at the underscore aardvark underscore group. Just search for the aardvark group. It's a pretty unique name. They're all over the place. Oh, they're on LinkedIn as well. Yeah. But best place is the, is the website, aardvark.group. You may have actually worked with some of their equipment in the past. If you're ex-military, maybe you've been still serving. You may or may not have uh, been of use of their equipment, equipment in the past on operations or have seen it in action. They're all over the place. Um, in, in dangerous areas, trying to make them safer. Thank you to Aardvark Group for support, sponsoring the podcast and, uh, and supporting the wider military community. It is very much appreciated. On to the podcast. My guest today is Jack Marshman. Jack Marshman is a UFC fighter. He fights out of Tulare Combat MMA gym in uh, South Wales in Blyna. And he is also a former um, paratrooper. He served with three parachute regiment. We served at, um, around the same time our, our service overlapped. And in fact, the last time I saw him was in Afghanistan in 2010, would be the last time I saw him on the ground in Afghanistan. Um, he, you're going to enjoy this chat. We had a fair few whiskeys during this, a lot of whiskeys. I think it becomes evident as the podcast goes on. <laughs> it was a good chat, really good insight into everything. Uh, he, he actually signed for the UFC when he was still serving. Um, yeah, but you hear all of that now. That's it. This is the HR Podcast. My name is Hugh Keir, and my guest today is Jack Marshman. Jack Marshman, absolute pleasure, man. Cheers, mate. Um, I don't know if you realise, I'm pretty sure the last time we saw each other in person was in Afghan, in that patrol base that was west of Nakulabad Calais. What was that PB called? Were you were there with Andy Waters and everyone else. What was that called? Tofan. Tofan. Yeah, Tofan. Yeah, That's yeah. the last time we saw each other in person. I'm yeah, fucking was sure that of it. 2010 to yeah. that, wasn't it? Yeah. It was Christmas. <laughs> I was I was I was sent the missus yesterday. I said, fucking I haven't seen it since then. And it was it was it was Christmas Eve or it was Christmas night. Because all of the mail came into Kamar, into the HQ, yeah, the yeah, company yeah, HQ yeah. was. And we filled our Bergens up with all the parcels for Tofan. Yeah. And we, we tabbed in. in we tabbed yeah. over. We tabbed over at night, <laughs> delivered you all your all your Christmas gifts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we left. Shower gel and that. <laughs> yeah, and then we left at dawn the next morning. We got bumped on the way back. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. It was the last time. That was last time. 2010. Yeah. Fuck. Eleven years ago, man. <laughs> that was 2010. When uh, we were talking about this just before the podcast started, uh, you signed for the UFC while you were still serving. Yeah. What was that like? Like in in hindsight, because now you've been out, right? And you've 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 you're. In the mixed martial arts, professional mixed martial arts world, out like normal, like everyone else does. How does that contrast with what it was like preparing and fighting when you were serving? What was that like? It's a different. It's a different world. If I was, I would have never have got nowhere near as far as I did if it wasn't for the army backing me. But at the same time, I wasn't training like the rest of the guys. Like you know, the not like I said the normal people. I wasn't training like I when I was in the army. I fought for my first world title. I want to say it was about it was about 2010, about the same sort of time as what you're saying. 
I thought for my first world title, and the way I got ready for it, I thought Tom Watson, he was a big name, he trained out in America full-time with all the best athletes, and I was like, I was, out, <laughs> I was out doing normal company bullshit, like we do every single day, and then go do three twos on the pads in the corridor with one of the lads who was like an amateur boxer who'd had like fucking, you know, five fights or something. Who was that? Uh, Adam Martin, he sold the pads for, you know, he's <laughs> little Martin, and he used to just hold the pads for me, like a couple of rounds on the pads, and that was me preparing for a world title, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, the army was good because I was financially stable and all that, but at the same time, I wasn't, I wasn't fucking, I wasn't training like a professional athlete, I was training like, you know, I think we was on the gangsters pasties and, <laughs> and all that shit, and just not living... Not not living like a pro, like is you know, it's like you know the rage, like we're idiots. But then you went and smashed what you went and smashed Watson, didn't you? He, I remember that fight. He 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 beat me, but I I I should have never like like on paper, I should have never really even been in with him. But I stuck it on him. I put it over him in the first round. I got caught. I got caught with a stupid thing, and the fight was stopped a bit. Like it was a bit shit, really. But. Um, yeah, I like I was twenty one years old and or maybe twenty years old and it was like no one even thought I should have been in that fight really. Like, but yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. But like I said, I fucking if I'd have prepared for that fight, I would have I would have walked it. But I just I was finishing cleaning weapons at the armory and then fucking go go do a couple of couple of rounds on the pads and then and then that was my preparation whilst he's out in Albuquerque training with John Jones and shit like that. I mean, we weigh up the options. Like, it don't make sense, do it? So here's a question then. How did, you, what, how did you manage to get in that position to be at that level where you were in the, in the ring at that in the ring, in the octagon at that time with Tom Watson when you were still serving? How did you get that? What, was it, what, I, what set you apart? <laughs> what, how did you get there? Generally, I ain't, just, I ain't going about the paradise thing, but I just registered out most of the fights, mate. Like... When, you know what I mean, it was plenty of fights that I could have lost. Like, everyone knows the Carl Noon fight and that, but it's like, I just registered it out. It was just too tough for our own good sometimes. I mean, we just have scraps and, yeah. So, it was, like, I, some, I, technically, I probably wasn't as good as some of the guys I beat, but I was, you know, just, we just added out. Like, That's what I was, I was thinking of the Carl Noon fight. Yeah, when yeah. You meant, I was thinking of the Carl Noon fight. I remember I, watching that. I and got going, a great oh my story God. about that. That was, because I was like a Joe Bag in three par at the time i was a joe bag just just rocked up and then we was way on exercise and i got offered the call the call known fight and it was like i thought all the other shows i'd fought on was all like in leisure centers you know small little shows and stuff like that and i got offered this i got offered the call known fight and it was televised in the nec arena in birmingham it was like a big thing it was like i got offered it so they let me have two days two days off the end of the exercise free part of mega block <laughs> you know what I mean? so they let me they, they let me have that i went in obviously i got I, I won the fight but i got fucked up i looked like sloth off the goonies my face was like that. and i um i rocked rock back up like on the sunday because we've we've jumped in bryce norton on the monday rock rocked up right <laughs> and three three o'clock in the morning Three o'clock in the morning, I was on the parade square like that, and I can't remember, you know, I wish I could remember, but whoever the sergeant major was of the company at the time, like, I, like, walked on line, and all... It was Tiddy. Was it not Tiddy? No, it was, it was, it was after, the, it was, uh, it was before we took over for the 2010, this was, I, oh. the Carl Noon fight was probably about 2008, 2009. What company were you? I was, I was a company straight away, And it's yeah. what year? 2009? 2008, 2009. It was, uh, oh, hang on, who was that? That was Tiddy. No, no, Tiddy was 2010, like just before the 2010 tour. 
He was, wouldn't he? He, well, t he was. No, Danny Leach. Danny Leach was oh, a yeah. cup sergeant major. Anyway, you've been punched in the face yeah, too much. Go on, carry on. Punch um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, whoever it was, like, I literally, because I didn't realise, because obviously it was my first fight on TV and stuff, like, I didn't realise all the blokes had watched it. I was a Joe bag. So I turned up on the parade square at 3 o'clock in the morning, and fucking my face is... Like ah, uh, like lumps coming off of so many. Like uh, and he walked out of prison school and he straight away, whoever it was, just went, went fucking, ah, oh, good fight, mate, well done. Like I was like, he said, he said, what the fuck are you doing, yeah? I was like, I was like, oh, I was told to be here three o'clock in the morning, sir. Like uh, he went like I said, put your fucking helmet on. <laughs> like I tried to put my helmet on and my face was that swelled. It was like <laughs> my helmet was like he went. He said, fuck off home. <laughs> just sent me home like I was like but you know because you know it's like Joe Bag you don't want to be the guy who don't turn up to a parade at 3 o'clock in the morning because you're just going to be the dickhead who like you probably got fucking blocks knocking your door like but yeah I just remember I was brilliant it was like he just turned up he said put your helmet on it was like slanted to the side my face looked like the gun of Goonies like <laughs> yeah funny man it's uh I <clears throat> I I've wondered for a while what they put in the water in three para it's like <laughs> It's it's strange, isn't it? It's like you've got different units known for different things, right? And power edge, I think, generally known for boxing. But if you're within power edge, you know a three para. They, they, yeah, it's like that's yeah, the thing, boxing. Yeah. We, you know, we went for years with it. So I don't know how we did it either. It's like weird. So what what is making this different? You know, we don't we don't have the benefit of choose. Oh, we'll have boxers come to three para. It's not. We just happen to have a fucking pedigree there. Yeah. Of the coaching, Coach, coaching, staff, coaching's back. what I put it exactly, down to, yeah. exactly right from Ned Cameron right, right yeah, back, even and to Tyler Tiddy Johnson and, and all yeah. like, like like all of them, brilliant. Yeah. Like, but then, uh, and then and, and and like that, and and now it's going into the the MMA thing. You've got. It's like it's almost like the MMA thing is overshadowing the boxing side of things. So you got you, you got uh, Kev, Kev Fryer, Kev yeah, yeah, you got Cam, Cameron Els. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then who else? There's, a, there's some others in there. Who, who there, there's, there's a few MMA fighters, but like that, the the three you said did like you got two boys in the UFC, one in Bellator. All right, I don't think I don't I I might be wrong, but. You can look. I I very much doubt. There's, I don't know any other serving military that are in Bellator or UFC or anything. I really Terry don't. Brazier. What's Terry, Terry Brazier? Well, well, he, well he, he was Bellator for ages. He's recently retired. I, I, um, what unit was he? Well, he right. So he was he was guards para, but he transferred over. Ah, he was so right, he yeah. put again. He was free para, so he was free para for like when he finished his career as free para. So that's two Bellator and two UFC fights all in free para. It's fucking mad, isn't it? That's mental. It's like having that's having like. Fucking four professional football players in 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 one unit, which is you know is unheard of, is it? Uh, yeah, but then another circle that you're involved with. Again, what are they putting in the water? What is Shaky Shaw putting in the water? And fucking, yeah, what yeah. was he putting in the water? And I would tell him, yeah, yeah. You got you, you got Jack Shaw, you got how many? You got many... Brett Johns is in now. Like he's from Swansea, but he come down to us because because of the pedigree. Um, we got loads of, and like, as far as like the cage warriors level and stuff like that, we, our gym's full of them. We got boys that, you know, are either on their way to being the champions on cage warriors or, or you know, or close or, or going to be in the future. We got, oh, it's a brilliant gym. And we've opened like a mega facility now, so it's, it's uh, that's in Cardiff, isn't it? No, it's in, it's in, it's in, just, just outside it, but it's, uh, Obviously, I've been I've been to America and trained at all these big gyms and stuff like you know like like uh, Jackson's and other gyms. <laughs> I've um yeah so I've I've been I've been there and trained at all these other gyms, 
and the gym we got in in Wales, which is meant to say like in Wales, we've got a facility that can challenge them. Do you know what I mean? It's like and and now we got so many good fighters coming through. We're only we catching up with America so quickly. We are. Yeah, so here's a question for you, which leads in nicely. So here's a question: one of one of the Patreon supporters came up. I'm sure. It, what did it come up? I can't. Remember. Oh no! Do you know what I think? I think. Well, I, so you asked it, Steve Llewellyn. Remember Steve Llewellyn? Yeah, yeah, free right. bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. Steve Llewellyn, uh, he he asked the question. I said, "Are you coming on?" He asked the question. He said, um, "You know, a lot of fighters as they move up, uh, they move from whatever into the UFC, get the pinnacle of what their of their career or potentially the pinnacle of their career, and they often move to other gyms and they uh, take advantage of of other gyms and and um, coaches and shit like that." Why did you decide to stay with? T- this is not a. Uh, this is not. A, uh, this is not a. Um, not saying it's a bad thing, but what was your thought process for staying where you were? Um, well, just a good, good little look at it. Is did you notice like the, with McGregor losing recently? They're saying that he completely changed his team and went somewhere different. You know, when he got to the level he did, and then that's when he started losing. I've I've always think if they if they can get you where you're going. Why not? And I, I have been to other gyms. I've been to America and trained and trained, and I didn't feel like I was benefiting any more out there than I do under Shaky. And I'm comfortable at Shaky's. Do you know what I mean? So happy fighter's a good fighter. Do you know what I mean? It's like I love I love it there. Do you know what I mean? And and it just you can't you can't well you, there's no argument for saying that you that level end there because we've got like in twenty thirty IU level professionals in our gym. You mean is you, I didn't need to go anywhere. The only problem I had is the way I'm a bigger lad. You know, weight weight wise, we we struggle we struggle for like my level in the gym. Oh, so decent size sparring. Yeah, partners yeah. So like, like there's not like fucking. If you're a bantamweight in my gym, you you're sparring some of the best boys in the world. Like you've got Jack Shaw, Brett Johns, uh, Josh Reed. Lo- like you were sparring like you you mean in your oil. So you've got amateurs coming through now. That are going to be brilliant because they're training with the best boys in the world. But uh, when as soon as you get up to my sort of weight category, middleweight and a little bit heavier and stuff like that, this I, I got old Ban Elliott to train with now. But you know he's still a little bit smaller than me. But but other than that, we the two biggest and the two better lads in the gym. You know I me, mean? we we could do with it. But and then when you go to America, you got a lot more you know big fucking lumps and that over there. But you just make do what we do. I I still train a bit more like the old fashioned way anyway. I. I go boxing and I spar with boxers and I go wrestling and wrestle and I go grappling and go, do you know what I mean? So you don't so much, because it's hard to find another middleweight in the UK that's, you know, good at everything that I can spar with. Whereas, like, if I go, I can go boxing and I can spar people that are better than me at boxing. I can go wrestling and there's people who are better than me at wrestling. I can go grappling, do you know what I mean? And I still do it that way. I've always, that's how I've always done it. So I stick to it, and if it worked, like it got me where I went. So, so if that's the old, if that's the traditional way, how has it been done now? Is that it's is it is that they, general they call, mixed martial arts yeah, they, as an they, art they, itself? They, they, they call it the new breed. Like that's what they call them as fighters. They go, oh, the oh, new breed of fighters is people who were not like from a boxing background, gone into MMA. They 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 just they've gone yeah. into MMA. They MMA fighters. They they're good everywhere. From the start, like, but do you, do you think that's a better way of doing it, or do you think you should start with being a master in something and then bre- that's branching a, that's out? A, that's how I like it. But obviously, 
It swings around. So no matter what, if you started MMA, you're going to be better at one of them than the other. You, you, you got like to everyone think everyone thinks I'm a, I'm a I was doing MMA before I started boxing, but I'm classed as a yeah I. I didn't know that. Yeah, you're a boxer. I, yeah, no, I I had my first um, my first amateur MMA fight was 2007 before I joined the army. Do you know what I mean? It's like um, when I joined the army. Do you know you do your first four weeks and then you your parents come up for a weekend and they for a visit. Instead of my parents coming up for a weekend, I went home and fought for a title. I did <laughs> an, an amateur title, like two fights in one night. That's what uh, at, at MMA that was. But then I went to three para and my and where I had the privilege of being able to box with you know because boxing the, was massive at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, boxing yeah. Was massive, yeah. And where they where, where I was smashed on that daily with boxing. You know, being like you sparring like five times a week, which is ridiculous. No wonder I'm fucking bunch drunk. It's fucking you like free para. You know that's how they, that's how they trained and they just kill each other, kill each other five times a week. And you know, but it obviously works because we win the championships every time we fucking enter it. Mate, I remember rocking up one day, and I was a, when, I, when I first became a platoon sergeant, and boxing season came around. I, I call it boxing season. It's, yeah. in, it's the season where pl- people disappear from your platoon just randomly, and you go, <laughs> right, everyone rocks up for a brief, and you're expecting 20 odd people. Oh, you do a normal roll and go, where the fuck is private such and such? And like, uh, and Tiddy was a sergeant major. Oh, fuck yeah. Right, it's like, Tiddy's robbed him for boxing. Where's such and such? Tiddy's robbed him for the boxing as well. Where's such and such? Tiddy's robbed six, seven people down. I remember walking into I remember walking into the hangar opposite uh, three paras like office lines there. Um, I remember walking in. Well, no, I wasn't walking. I walked past, and everyone was in there. Session going on. A bag session going on, and everyone was in respirators. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking at least it, uh, obviously Ga- gas masks. Yeah, uh, training and gas yeah. like um, I. I, I literally, I literally, obviously, just before I just before I got out, I went back. I went back. I was back with Freepower, and I was helping Tyler Johnson do the boxing. They are still training like that's like fucking. They they still do respirators. So what do you reckon about it? Well, so in that in that method of training, right. hardcore right. going for it, right. short term and long term. What's your yeah. opinion on it? Right. So if you want to fight like at the like level I'm fighting at, I benefit probably as a knee, right? But you're fighting at an amateur level. It's proven. Free power have proved it. The fittest, strongest guy is gonna win. It, you you got a box for you got a box for six minutes, three twos. If you can fucking constantly punch for three two minute rounds and you can keep walking for, you're gonna win the fight. It's it's how it's it's facts. And free power are so good at it. They dr- they drill you so much. You you are the fittest, strongest boxers in it every time. And that's that's it. Ain't no secret to why free power wins it. Because what is it? Is it like twenty years that they've any time that free power have entered the championships, they've won it. It wasn't twenty, but you know, yeah, it wasn't it, twenty. So it was something well, like. Got to build it up, though. <laughs> I know, yeah. It was something like, and, and there's going to be people going, "No, fucking, we're fucking twenty. It was something like eight years, where for eight years or nine years on the trot, three power. Yeah, the, but I mean, I'm talking about even with the gap. So do you know, like when they didn't enter it because the. Oh no, it's only there. once. It's only once they didn't enter it. That's was it? so. Yeah, so on eight or nine, it was over eight or nine. Yeah, I I know Teddy. In fact, let's give him a shout. Steve Tidmarsh. <laughs> Steve Tidmarsh, like fucking boxer. He'll be, he'll be, he'll be listening to this. It, there's a, it's eight or nine years where three para where the British Army boxing champions on the trot, with the exception of one instance, which is we where they didn't enter a team because we were on ops. And that was 2008, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. 2008. And then I think Anglians won it. Or I can't remember what it was, won it. But it's a good point. I hadn't thought of it like that, actually. 
Because I, I, it's always one. It's why I said you to start while they put it in the water. Like fucking hell, it doesn't make. To me, it doesn't make sense that so you can have that consistency when the the team isn't the same team all the way through. The reality is, it's like from the, in that eight or nine years or whatever it was, it's not the same boxing team all the way through. It's rotating. Well, well even the coaches need to say the same. Well, this will answer your question though. So when I went back to the, when I went back to through about last time. Uh, so when I went on my first ever boxing team with Teddy as a coach, right? First ever boxing team, I was on there with Tyler Johnson. And when I went back, Tyler Johnson was the coach. So the way we trained when we was boxing is the way he trained his fucking boxers. And he gave him no choice. Like, so it's stuck with him. Do you know what I mean? That's how, that's how he's always got. It's like, yeah, I think t- the back end, people started working more on skill. Like, you know, it is a lot more skill session involved. Like they, they got um, Conor Vian any professional boxer, shit or boxer, he's he's teaching them skills. But the main the main thing is fucking Hillsbrands, bag legs, uh, respirator treat. You they're the fittest, strongest boxers, isn't it? They're gonna win every time, without a doubt. Why did you? Uh, if you were if you were look, did you were you looking to embark on a, a professional MMA career before you joined then? No, 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 I. <laughs> I'd like fought for world titles. I I I fought for loads. I wouldn't look into be a. I wouldn't look into do it full time. Then I just fucking enjoyed it. I just enjoyed having a fight, and it was it was like I never. It was only I only started sort of taking it serious when I got to the UFC, which is mental because I'd had 20, <laughs> 25 pro fights before I'd even got there. What did you join up for? I I. I was a nuisance, like I was uh, in a lot of trouble back home, and I so I was sort of like, you know, join join the army and fuck off, like. And I, I didn't know nothing about Pyrage. Didn't know nothing about Pyrage. I, 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 I was like, I was like a, I was like a seventeen stone kid, but I had a really good run time. They was like, they was like, fuck, hey, you can run. They said, and and the, it was like a Royal Welsh recruiter, and he just went, oh mate, he said, fuck, you, you, he said, you should go, you should go Pyrage. I was like, what fuck's that? I'd never been on a plane. I'd never even been on a plane. Then the first eight times I jumped, nah. oh fuck, I, yeah. You serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd never even, I fucking don't like flying. <laughs> it's meant, uh, I don't, I don't, I pet, I, like, if I'm on a plane, I'm like, like, I'm older than girls, and go, what? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Uh, but my first, so I'd never been on a plane, and then obviously I was like, join Paris. I was like, and then got the head of training, he's like, yeah, you've got to jump out of planes. I was like, oh yeah, right, makes sense. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Jesus Christ. First yeah. time you ran on the plane was when you jumped out of it. That's yeah. unbelievable. First eight, didn't it? You do your course, and then, and then like, I think the ninth one was straight off, can <laughs> So, so you joined up because you were a fucking nuisance. What was it, was, what, so what was it like growing up? Oh, I, I, um, yeah, I just seen loads of trouble. I got locked up a lot. You, you, you run, you run the area, run, run there. No, um, I'm from a place called Abdelaria. I'm and so is is Abdelaria you from? Is it? I yeah, yeah, I yeah. Oh, like it's mad. Like when you say about sinking in the water, do you know all the employees you mentioned? Like from our gym, all the lads who've got big jackshaw and all that. We are all from Abdelaria. It's like a small little town, and it's fucking like. But, 20 pro fighters here and then not to mention then just on the roads new bridge where Kawasaki, Gavin Reese, all like it's why why Jack? Why what 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 why what is the reason that's you hear about this through different things throughout the years from different pockets of areas and just produce absolute ninjas at this, that, the yeah. other. Well I like I I've I think I've said what I think the reason free bar I've done well for, but I couldn't explain to you how the fuck this is gone like that in Wales. It's it's mad. It's like well even with even with the boxing, like I said, like with Kawasaki, Gavin Reese, all all all, all, all them 
They, and it was loads more than I. You had Enzo Mattarelli in that training. You had um, well, Sean McCall, if I mentioned earlier, he trains at at uh, Enzo's um, gym. Yeah, like in Swansea. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Have you been up there, haven't you? No, him? no. En Enzo's really good friends with that, uh, like John Phillips. The I, other thought Welsh boy. I thought you'd be up there. No, yeah. no. Um, yeah, no. I. Um, but it's just like, it's hard to explain how. They all like how how that boxing was so good. Now he's going over into MMA. We got a lot of because obviously me and Jack Shaw are in the UFC from it. But we got loads of young lads that are coming through now. That give them give them three or four years, they'll be there. Do you know what I think it might be? Do you want know to think about, in all seriousness, just in, in generalizing? So in, like I obviously I grew up fucking half hour from Abbotsford. I grew up in like uh, the in Dallas Valley, so Crying and Seven Sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all that, that area. And you want to think it might be is that um, in those in those situations at that uh, we can't talk for like the kids over there now, but in our like our our sort of generation, is that there ain't much to do, no. right? And you're either going to latch on to the in the, especially in the valleys scene, you're going to latch on to sort of the the uh, out and about doing shit, bus stops and fucking whatever and and maybe drugs get involved with it or not. Or quite often the case, especially when I was growing up, I remember it was there was there was particular focuses that lots of the same groups of kids went and did. And I'm talking when I say kids, I mean 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. The the, the key formative years of what you're gonna do. And it was where I grew up in Crinant, it was at the time it was rugby say, yeah. and or gym, as in weightlifting, or the both together. And so you got a, you had a lot of a uh, lot of really good rugby players, international rugby players, um, or we had a lot of people who got caught for steroids. Can't do anymore. It maybe it's a case of in the Abbotsley area, area and surrounding areas. It's that the thing that they the the opposite the 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 area of focus aside from the normal kickabout fucking bus stops and. This, that, and the other smoking weed and X, Y, or Z. It's, we got that. Oh, and there's an MMA gym. Yeah. Well, Sheik, you opened this gym when I was about 15, 16. And I went, I was like, I, well, I, I used to train at a different gym. And with Sheik, you trained at. Um, I used to train at a different gym with Sheik, you trained at. And then Sheik, he was doing all the coaching, but the other guy was sort of like just taking the money sort of thing. And then in the end, like, Sheik said, I'm branching off. I'm going to start my own gym. So I went with him because he was the only guy who was teaching me, like. Um, so that that's... Go on. Yeah, yeah that's it, literally what happened. Please. I thought, are, are we, are we not going to be able to have PE halfway through? Hey, I'll be right. Are you in the piss? Yeah, already. Do you? Yeah. Go for yeah. piss? Yeah, sweet. Well, no. Yeah. <laughs> How long are we in? Yeah. How long are we in? <laughs> no, this has never happened. Like right, 20, 25, 25 minutes. There, go on. Thank oh, I don't know. Right, we, we did two just straight. Oh, go on. Just go, go on the hedge. <laughs> so, uh, right. So, um, while Jack is away, uh, this is the first time it's ever happened. I always say it to guests. Yeah, just look. If you need a little boy's room or little girl's room, you can go to the. Uh, you can go to the uh, you can go to the toilet and I'll just keep talking. Right, it's the first time it's happened. This is Jack Marshman. So uh, uh, while he's out, actually, yeah, um, he is um, obviously UFC fighter, which I mentioned at the start of the podcast, and he's now he's basically preparing for his the next part of his uh, his next career, if you like. When we go through, when you're in the military, you very, very much think that um, people get. Uh, 
people get um, sort of blinkers on and think, oh, the military is the only career they have. Whereas in reality, when you do 20, 22, 24 years, when you leave, you've got time enough for a second career. It's very much the same with any any professional sport, really. So that's what Jack's gearing up for now. He's back in. You've done? That was quick. Yeah. You've, you've popped the seal now. Oh, shit. Actually, I was talking away there without being on the fucking camera as well. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, um, Sheik, the gym. Yeah, Sheik, well, so then, obviously, when he branched off and started his own gym, I followed him, and um, that, like, you, Come in there, Mike. They, 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 they was them years that you was talking about, like, the, like, your 14, 15, 16, like, where you make your choice whether you're going to be a little fucking nuisance and do whatever or, or be in the gym. And uh, I think he sort of changed a lot of kids' lives, that sort of, especially in his early days. He, like loads of lads could have gone one way and they went the other way. Even lads who come out of jail, you know, who'd gone the wrong way and then they come out of jail and then go straight in the gym and they've never gone back and they've all got good jobs and stuff now. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. What, what's different about him? What's different about the gym? Why, why, why did you as a renegade decide to stay there? <laughs> like, was it a combination of personality and also the, the fighting side of things? He, uh, Probably more personality. He's he's obviously a brilliant coach. His jiu-jitsu is amazing, yeah, and he got an eye, IQ about fighting. He can sit, you know, like do you know, like like Customato with um, like Tyson. He, obviously, Customato wasn't teaching fucking Tyson how to throw punches, was he? Little old man wasn't teaching Tyson how to throw punches, but he had an IQ about fighting. But what was right, what was wrong, and that's exactly what she, he does with fighters. I mean, he can sit there and he'll he, he's intelligent. He'll watch someone fight and he'll know how to beat them. You know what I mean? And he'll tell you how to beat them, he'll train you how to beat them. You know what I mean? You just gotta go in there and do it. But um yeah, so the reason I said but you you asked, was it more that side of things or personality? It's probably personality shaky. You you train with him for you speak to him for five minutes, he's funny as fuck. And he's he's mental and he do he do care about his fighters as well. Like he like he knew when I was a little shit and all that, or he you push you. Even now. Even like, you know, if I end in the gym, it's like, he'll be on my case, but no, not for his benefit, just for me. Like, he'll just be like, come on, but you need to be back in the gym now. After, if you have a loss or something, like, if you have a loss or something, you know what I mean? Like, you have a little strop and you don't want to be in the gym for a bit, you're showing it, like, he'll be on your case saying, come on, but. Yeah, just, back he, on the horse. Yeah, yeah, stop being a fan. He'll get back in the gym. That's what he's like, you know what I mean? So he's, he's good. He, well, he, he, like you said, you can't, you can't dis. You can't disagree with it when you just look at what you've, what you've produced, like. Mm, no, you can't. I know. I agree. Yeah, I'm just trying to understand it. And, like, and I'm like, because I'm one of the ones that he literally done from scratch as well. So I've got where I've gone. You know, I've only ever trained with Shaky for Shaky. That's and and he got me that far. So you can't. And then like, you know, because what happens now? Someone was good at another gym or whatever, and then they've come to us later on in their career. You know, it's a little bit different. And you know, you've not fully trained them. Like from me, trained me from not knowing how to throw a fucking punch to everything I've ever done. Like so. Was that where you started with the MMA training? Then? Yeah, yeah. I was un I was under Sheik. We was under this little gym called the Falcons, and Sheik he was fighting himself. When I that's fucking make me feel old now. Like Sheik he was fighting. When I started, so I was training, but he, you know, because he was one, of the, he was the main fighter at the gym. But he, so he was MMA or, or yeah, jiu-jitsu yeah, fight? MMA. Yeah, oh, okay. he fought MMA. Yeah. He had pro MMA fights and that. He, um, like one, probably one of the first MMA fights I ever went to watch was Shaky. When with Jack Shaw, is a like 
I don't know if you've ever seen it. I've put a picture up of me and Jack Shaw, and he's like, we're at his dad's fight. He's like a little fat kid. <laughs> <laughs> you see him, you know, like a USC superstar, like just killing everyone. Like, it's, it's mental. But, um, yeah, we, um, like, she was one of the first fights I watched, and then I sat with him. Like I said, his personality, you train with him for five minutes, you love the guy, he's funny, man. He just, he's brilliant. And he's... He's a bit like the Reg in the sense of it's it's tough love. <laughs> if you're doing something wrong, you fucking let you know you're doing something wrong. Like if you're doing something right, he, you know he probably won't let you know you're doing it right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, all right, tidy, well done. You know, if you if you do something <laughs> shit, you'll fucking get told him shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you reckon you would have? Um, do you reckon that the your path, if you hadn't have joined up, that your path would have still taken to the UFC? Do you reckon? Or if or... I'd have joined up, oh, tough one, that is because. Yeah, probably maybe a little bit quicker, maybe, you know. But when I, when I fought Watson, when I was young, it, I was told whoever won that fight was going to go to the UFC. And obviously, he, he won, right? But looking back in nine times, I'm so glad I didn't because I was fucking 21. I didn't have the skill set behind me. And if I had got signed then, I would have I would have lost that fight straight away and be gone, do you know what I mean, without a doubt, do you know what I mean? It's like... In in a way, like being in the reg and you know, it, like, like I said, I had twenty five pro fights before I got signed, mine. So that's a that's like a, that's that's more than some of the people's careers, like all careers. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I I had that even before I got signed. So and then I'm like eight fights into the UFC now. On top of that as well, and it's like um, if if I hadn't if I hadn't had done the reg and I'd you know because I I was doing stuff like going to Afghan in between. Like do you know what I mean? It's like is um. It, it gave me that time to mature as a fighter and as a as just as a fucking bloke, and then go down that route like so. It's it's getting super popular, isn't it? With MMA, I think it's uh, it's it's almost kind of worrying. It's like you don't know you don't know who you look at on the street or pick a fight with in the pub. <laughs> Not that you should pick a fight with anyone who's going to fucking tear your head off because it, 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 again, it's that you can walk into the gym now and just start learning MMA. Yeah. You don't have to, that, it's not a boxing or jiu-jitsu. But, but no, I think it's like the jiu-jitsu fuckers are the worst because like, like, you know, if you go into a boxing gym, you look at a bloke and you can tell he's an hard fucker and he's, he look like a boxer. Like these jiu-jitsu, you've got little skinny geeks who are like, again, little skinny geeks, but you roll around with them on the floor and they're going to tie you in fucking knots. Like, it's, mm. it's mental. Like, like. What, uh, if someone's wanting now to start start out in an MMA career and they want to do it as a profession, um, what would you, what would your a piece of advice be to them? Like, main piece of advice be? Well, just, like, like you said, like, I'd probably say go down the new breed route. You know, and see which which aspect of it you take to the what route, like the new breed, like as in a new breed, yeah, yeah, as in saying, you know, start MMA as opposed to start jiu-jitsu boxing or whatever, and just see which one you take to the most. You know what I mean? So, I I if oh, I sound it sounds shit saying this, but I wouldn't recommend anyone trying to go into a career of MMA as in. I think you should do it the way I done it. I never fuck. I never wanted to make any money out of fighting. I never wanted to do it as a living. I done it because I enjoyed it, and then it become a living, and then I made money. Like Don, Don set out and think, oh, you, I'm, oh, I'm gonna. I've, I've had people. I get people message me on Instagram, and I like going, oh, I've just quit my job because I want to be an MMA fighter. And I was like, you're, you're like, well, why you've not had no fights, mate? Chill the fuck out. Like, do your job, keep fighting, and if you, you know, if you, if you think it's going some way, take the leap. But Don. Dead. Yeah, the only account, the only account of that is is the cla is the classic that um, people. <clears throat> it's uh, 
the, the what's beautiful about fighting and it whatever professional fighting whatever that discipline may be boxing mma fucking thai boxing kickboxing muay thai i don't know jiu-jitsu whatever is that um it is it is something that is achievable for people who can't achieve anything else for people who haven't got a job for people who get kicked out of school for people who, who, who were never in fucking school people going to parents just the most disadvantaged kids it's something that is it's like i can do that yeah yeah, but if you, if you can set your mind to do it now, you can set your mind to doing something else as well. So the best the best example I can say about it is 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 I so, no sorry I'm not, I'm not like a negative person saying no oh don't try it with me because you might not make it. But look look at look at Jack Shaw right. So he was he was born shaky's his dad. He was born he was going to fight all the way. He was always going to be a fighter, and he's done really well out of it. Now he's making loads of money right. But he, he went he went and got he went and got a degree before that. He done university, went and got a degree before he ever took to you know what I mean? Like he didn't rely on fighting being he didn't sit there going he was always gonna be as good as he as he is now. But he didn't fucking rely on it. He didn't think, Oh no, that's me. Um, I ain't gonna I ain't gonna work, I ain't gonna earn no money. He's like he was valding cars and he was he was he was valding cars and do another bits and bobs while getting a degree and training as a fighter. That's what if you if you wanna if you really wanna set yourself to make it in, in fighting or whatever, yeah, go for it. Go for it. I ain't say I ain't discredited saying, oh don't don't try it. I'm saying fucking use your head and you know, think about other options on top of it. That's all. You know what I mean? Because fucking, if if you if you're stupid enough to think, oh, just because I really want to be a fighter, it means I'm gonna be a fighter. You're a fucking idiot. Yeah, and it's an interesting balance you got to strike there, right? Because especially with the like something like fighting, you to be successful at that, <clears throat> you have to be one hundred percent. I am in. I am in for this fight. I'm in for this. This yeah. This contract. I'm in for this. This is my profession. Is what I do. But but also, to play the long game, it can't be all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, yeah, that's you have to, and it's the classic that you were talking in the car about um, going on the circuit, and uh, people go and work overseas in the circuit, you know, in security, yeah. and they and 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 that's what they get the choice of. And and that's what they're going to do, and they're going to all earn money for that, and and security is a thing, and they don't have any other option. And when it goes and when it goes pear shape, it doesn't work out the way they think it's going to work out. They've got another, they've got an alternative. But it's, so so the, the point of making is you need to have Plan Bs and Plan Cs, right? But that makes it an incredibly hard balance to strike. To okay, I need to be a hundred percent into Plan A. I'm going to be a fighter. But also, I need to have a plan B, just in case it doesn't work out. It's that balance, right? You have to. It's, it, but it's. I think it's about an intelligent going about it. You've you've talked a few. You've mentioned a few t- a couple of times on the podcast. We started talking about um, you jokingly about being punch drunk. Talk to me about that. Yeah. What, what, yeah. what's your, where's your concerns coming from? Why do you think I, you're punch drunk? Well, you seem well, fucking sound well, to me. Yeah. You got some, well, You got I, a wild uh, accent. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I I genuinely, as I'm on the back of my car, I'm. I'm getting where I know I keep his little things. Do you know you start noticing things, you forget things, and like ah, uh, might be part of getting older. Oh, it might it might be part of getting older, but it's I it's I don't know. I if we oh, well, like what? Talk to me. Um, okay. like you forget stupid things. Like forget it. One of the worst examples, right? Which is for me, this is terrible. I don't think I've said this yet. I um <laughs> I uh right after after I fought. Uh, Tiago Santos out in um, Canada. 
I fought him in I fought him in Canada and I got caught with a nasty kick or a scar on the back of my head. And uh it split my head open. It did it didn't hurt that much. It was what happened? Flying home flying home then, like an eleven hour flight, recycled duty air, big fucking gash on the back of my head. It got infected. I was like falling asleep and waking up and my head was stuck to the pillow and it was like it was just got pussing out like I'd be walking and be pus dribbling down my neck and stuff. But I was getting a lot of pain in it and I thought I thought fucking there must be something on my head. And when when I had a brain scan and it wasn't long after I'd had my daughter and I, I was like uh, <laughs> my daughter's name is Molly Bree Marshman. And like uh, uh, Molly, Molly, that's her middle name. So her name's Molly Marshman. Her middle name's Bree. But right, how are you spelling? How are you spelling Bree? B R E. Oh, cool. Right, yeah, right. yeah. So, she, um, a nurse come at me, and I was here. With, I was here with my sister and my and my and my daughter, and I was like, uh, I, uh, the woman come at me, and she went, she went, oh, what's her name? And I went, fucking froze. I went. Bree, <laughs> I lied to her about what her name, like her middle name had come to me, obviously fucking, I was in a lot of pain with the back of my head and it was still swelled really bad, and, like, and I was like, I, was, I couldn't think, I, like, and then I seen the nurse speaking to my sister then, a couple of hours later, and I was like, like when, when I'd gone, I had my brain scanning and stuff, like, it come back, it was fucking, it wasn't nothing, there was nothing wrong with my brain. <laughs> I was writing my crayons before I fucking started fighting let alone after. As long as you're not eating the crayons. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Put them up my nose and that. Yeah, but I was like, I seen her speaking to my sister and, and my sister was obviously calling my daughter Molly. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, that woman was thinking, fuck, what weirdo, where did he lie about her name for? <laughs> it's because I fucking forgot. It was like, you know what I mean? Little, but it's like, it's, it's a few things I've noticed. And then I've seen other fighters, people I'm friends with, I ain't going to say names. But like I, people I I speak to, and I can watch, and they keep repeating themselves to me and stuff like that, and say it and without realizing, like yeah, old, yeah. They, old they, man they, stuff, yeah, like old yeah, man, yeah, like an yeah. old man, and, and they're not old men. Like I said, I can't say because I no, don't, bad, don't, say, like, don't but, say. But like it's like fight, and uh, like I see them, and then I start panicking and thinking, "Fuck, is that gonna be me now, fucking?" Because this person's doing my head in right now the way he's talking. Like, uh, so I think I don't want to be that person now in two years, fucking repeating myself and fucking doing like. And if you watch my fights, the way the way I fight leads to a lot of fucking head trauma. <laughs> like, like if 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 I if I fought like a like a slick boxer moving out the way and not getting hit so much to the head, yeah, I might have a longer career. But fucking the way I fight is like, yeah, I'm fucking eating the crayons before long. Like, so. well, it's the advantage of not getting knocked out very easily, which yeah. is great for the short term. Yeah, it may yeah. not be great for the long term. Yeah, right? that, that that's it. That's what I I I never change my fighting style. Do you know if I go ahead, I fucking magic wish and I could change I'd still I'd still fight the way I fight I love it it's what I think a fight's meant to be you're meant to be trying to fucking kill each other it's like it's how how it's meant to be you're meant to be trying to fucking I want to hurt him really fucking bad and he want to hurt me really bad let's do it and then because I've been I've had fights which I've lost with some guy and fucking led on top of me and I've given me a cut for three rounds and I'm thinking fuck you do you think do you think we, you've won a fight there like do you, like we just had a fucking that hard of scraps with misses like do you know it's like fucking but you know, it's each to their own. What they do like, but it's like not not for me. I draw. I I like the way I fight. I'll either I'll either win by a big dog. I'll, I'll lose by a big dog. But fucking, it'll be good to watch. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I know what you mean, mate. I know what you mean. Um, let me ask you a question there. So what? Uh, what your last your last fight was October, wasn't it? Yeah, October fifth. Was that Fight Island? 
No, it was Vegas. I've, I've got in Fight Island's the one I haven't done, you know. But it was like, I was, I think I was due to fight on it once, and then something like, you know, with COVID, everything's up in here. Well, yeah. So what's it? Are we talking about Punch Drunk? We talk, uh, you, you, you touched on TBIs. I've done a, I've done a, a few significant podcasts regarding TBIs. Um, but more on the subject, not not on the subject, but more relative to ex-military people. Um, and so it's a, it's a topic. I'm, I think I, I quite well understand it a minute. Uh, and it's it's definitely high on the agenda of importance in the USA. I think or getting there in ter- around sports people and ex-military in terms of impact of from mild TBIs to severe TBIs, causing things like dementia-esque symptoms what what's the do you get any consent uh, like feeling from ufc other fight or mma in general about concern around it and what measures people are taking to try and mitigate the risk of uh long-term negative impacts of fucking head trauma yeah not not so much off anyone in particular but like just, just the way we train, and that's completely different. We like fighters and coaches have clocked on uh, the way we used to train, where we used to fucking just batter each other every single day, and fucking a sparring session in the gym used to be like a fight. It was the same as a fight, no different. You was fucking hurting each other. Like um, it don't, it not, doesn't happen so much anymore. Like people are switched on, and it's like you. You don't need you don't need to do that to get any better at sport, but that's just how we used to do it. That's how we was taught how to do it, and that's how we done it. But everyone's getting smarter and switched on to training. It's like you, you're like, like Robbie Lawler is one of my favorite fighters, and he, you know he he fights like me, like like he just has it out, doesn't he? But he says he doesn't spar anymore. He doesn't literally he hasn't sparred for years. Like the only time he's actually getting it in the face in the fight, which fucking obviously massively reduces the amount of yeah, who's listening to he doesn't he doesn't do it uh, and there's a big i'm sure there's a lot of names that don't do it anymore but he doesn't do it cowboy doesn't do it a cowboy I, doesn't I, doesn't spar full stop apparently do, and then, i i would like i don't know about now but i've i've sparred cowboy a good few times i have i, I give him about you sparred with cowboy loads of times yeah yeah were you training at a jackson wing yeah I, I didn't realize that well, through Cam, I went. I obviously messaged Cam and said, "You know what I mean?" And that another free pair of lad, which is fucking mental. Like he's out in Albuquerque training. I said, "Ah, oh, but I'd love to come out and train." I went out there, and I was like, "I can't remember who Cowboy was fighting, but I, I wasn't like one of his main sparring partners." But as soon as they watched me spar, because uh, what it is, it's like two cages and a big matted area, and all the lads are sparring on matted area, and then you got John Jones in the one cage and fucking Cowboy in the other cage, and. Like so, they watched me spar on the mats, and he was like, he was like, right, jump in here, round with John Jones, boom, like out, boom, right, three rounds for fucking cowboy. It was like, it was, yeah, it was mental. I, I to be fair, I was in the UFC myself at the time, but like obviously they, they superstars in there. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it, it was just mad to be in there. Like cowboy, cowboy come at you hard. Like how, like he, like when you spar with him, he come at you like it was a fight. And then like John Jones, who's, who's obviously the, the best to ever do it, spar. I'd done plenty of rounds with him, and he was like. He was like, so I think he knows what level he's at. So he's like, he wasn't, he's not trying to knock your head off. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy though. Didn't realize you done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was out there. I was out there. I done, I done two camps out at Jackson Wings. I done one. I done one just to go out there to see what it was like. So it wasn't a camp. It was a, 
go out there. I, I was out there for about six weeks with Cam. <laughs> um, I hadn't seen Cam since Free Para. Uh, on on like one of the first nights I got, well, the first weekend I got there, we we went out on Cowboy's boat, it, like out in some lake doing fucking uh, what's it called waterboarding thing on the back of a ski, and then on the when we drove back from the lake, me Cam and this other lad went out. And a guy, a guy pulled out a gun and pointed it in Cam's face, like as, and Cam was like, you know, trying to fight this man who had a gun in his face. Go, God, fuck you, you know, like, just a mental rage. <laughs> like, what was like, the situation? Like, why did he pull? Um, a, why did he pull uh, a gun? We, it was like outside a nightclub, outside a nightclub, and it was like, if you ever have Cam on, yeah, he's best off. To he's, explain okay, he's been on once. Has he's been he? on once. He's Has a he? fucking renegade. Yeah, mate. yeah. He's well, been on well, once. That's what it was like that night. He was kicking off this guy out of here. And it, it was like, that was like my first night in Albuquerque. I was like, I was like this is fucking. <laughs> I, was like, I don't want to be around you long. But yeah, it's just funny. I was, I was mental, man. He was like, literally running at the guy who had a gun, pointing at him. He go, fuck all they shoot me then, you stupid. <laughs> Like, oh, that's fucking hell, welcome to America. Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> I think it was over, it was like, we was in a queue together in a club, and I think the guy who was missing, and I think Cam said to him, do you know what I mean? It was one of them sort of things, like, but fucking funny. Well, he goes, Cameron goes out there regularly, didn't he? Oh, he was yeah, doing yeah, before yeah, this. He, he, he goes out there a couple he, of times he, a year, did he not? Yeah, he was, um, but he's out in America now, but he's training, like, he, he, I don't know where he's sort of, like, Cameron sort of, is? Yeah, yeah, he's he's in the UFCPI in Vegas at the minute. Like literally today, I seen him post stuff. Up. Hang on, he's been signed, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he had Fuck one sake, fight. I forgot about yeah, that. He's been fined. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. not fought yet, though. Yeah, yeah, he fought. He fought once. Oh, he did. He fucking lost. Fight out on fight out, fight island. Good Bastard, boy, he yeah. fought. To be fair, but I I don't think he's matched up yet. But he's um, I'm sure he said like he's basically. He's ready yeah. to go again now, so... Yeah, it was a shit loss, actually. I remember yeah, yeah. my memory's fucking terrible. Yeah, that, is, yeah. The, the, the kid he fought is actually good, like, you know what I mean? And and, and Cam, Cam's, you know what I mean, is his first fight in the UFC, but a lot of pressure. And because he got that social media presence sort of thing as well, like, he puts a lot of pressure on himself with it, so, you know, he's one of them ones. And he's a complex individual. I think he'll rip it up. I think I think, I think think he'll rip it up. I think, be, I think he's going to do well. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but the thing is with that, that kind of weight class it's always exciting like yeah. it's, 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 it's so quick yeah. like, it's oh, like it's yeah. like they got small kid chipping the shoulder syndrome haven't they the whole, all of those sort of lightweight and down he's, he's, weight classes yeah, yeah band, band and weight he's at any and then yeah all the small lads are good and then you've got like, the big lads who just hit hard that's <laughs> so way fun to watch like so question on big lad on the weight stuff what uh, what's harder the camp the fight camp, the weight cut, or a five-round or a three-round fight. Fucking hell. The weight, the, 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 the weight, the weight cut. It, if you look at me, even fucking hell, I'm like in the least shape out of anyone I ever fight. And cardio-wise, I don't know whether it's a, I don't know whether it's because of because of the the reg or whatever. But cardio-wise, you you you'll never see me blowing out like three rounds and I'm ready for another two straight away. Not 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 a drama. I never struggle with cardio, but fucking cutting weight. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'd like, well, the way we used to cut weight on free para is like horrendous. Like, I used to fight 81 on the same day. I, I can't make 84 day before weighing now. So it's like, is um, yeah, cutting weight's the worst thing in the world. But if I if I fought at my natural weight, the middle weights are bigger than me. So if I fucking... What's your natural weight? My natural weight, yeah, like 94, 95. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it, that's like big lumps, like, 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 93 is light heavyweight in, in in MMA. 
and I'd have to. So I, I. So if I fought at ninety three, I'd be fighting like John Jones is white and that, and and they are fucking huge. So one of the one of the patron questions is on the subject. One of the patron questions was um on weight, and it was about uh, between fight weights. So I think the observation. <laughs> I think the observation was it was again Sean McAuliffe. I think the observation was. Um, that uh, there was at one point you had to cut 17 or 20 kilos, I think. It was like 106 down to uh, fucking 83 or 86, something like that. And the observation was um, uh, why do fighters, why do the fighters allow themselves to, to, to cut about, just normal cutting about weight at so high when they've got to cut so much because 17 or 20 kilos is fucking batshit crazy. Yeah, yeah, That's mental. Yeah, 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 That's yeah, mental. It's, it's, it is mental. But, like, it's no defence, right? But at the same time, it is like, we've got to bear in mind, right? So, June, January 31st, just gone, was 12 years since my professional debut, right? Right? 12 years in January, January 31st was my 12-year debut, right? So, if if I, what, do you think I could walk around at fucking 13 stone since <laughs> since I was, like, 18 years old? 13 stone, if I could walk around at 13 stone and be my natural fighting, and bear in mind, if I was, if I was walking around at 13 stone, they'd want me to fight at fucking 12 stone, that's how it works, so, do you know what I mean, because if you, if you can cut weight, you cut weight, is, I should, I should never go that big, I should never go that big, but the time you want about where I went, like, like 106, I was out injured for a year, didn't even know if I was coming back because of, because of injuries, um, I mean, like I said, I I done all the time, all the time with the partners, all the time as a pro fighter. My body's like, you know, even though I'm only thirty-one, my body's it's. I'm looking to finish my career quite soon because of the battering I've had over the years. Like, I mean, if I was if I was lucky enough to only be ten fights deep, only be ten fights deep, and then like I could I could keep going for a few more years, but I end up fucking thirty-five fights deep, and is. And and uh, and fucking two tours of Afghan and fucking everything else I've done with the art like all them things combined is like you know what I mean you, you can't you can't live like that twenty four seven you got like you have your off time where you fucking where you gain a lot of weight you fucking go out and enjoy having food be messes go out you know and have drinks and that you you gotta do that because I used to fight like four times a year three months camp. That's that old year gone. That's that's my that's your life, which which sounds good to some people. But I'm telling you, wait until wait until, wait until you're twelve years into that fucking that's your life. You soon start thinking, fuck this. Do you know what I mean? Which is what I did. I thought, oh, there's it. Like you know what I mean? I'm constantly on a diet. I'm constantly in the gym. I, I you know what I mean? I'm constantly fighting. I'm like like. You you get to the point where you're like, oh fucking hell. Do you know what I mean? It's like how long can I keep doing this for? Especially like when you get injuries and that, and like sometimes the money's really good, sometimes the run money's really shit. It's like wait you mean how how do you get how do you live like that? It's it's not that's, again, that's why I'm saying it's it's not the best creator really wanna go down, but if you enjoy fighting, go for it. Mm. No, yeah, I see what you're saying. And uh, the money's an interesting one because you were you when you signed with UFC, it was pre Reebok deal, right? 
No, they just, it just oh, came. Oh, they? Yeah, just came. Oh, it had just come. I yeah. remember. I know you, you remember... asked about the sponsors and that. Oh, no, no, it wasn't no, nothing uh, specific. Why? What do you think I was going to ask? No, no, just I was <laughs> going to say about the money-wise because of sponsors because, um, yeah, they, it, the Reebok deal did kill so much of it. Like, yeah. like you lost a lot of money for well, it. Well, we, I, yeah, but fucking shout to Lugardi <laughs> and uh, shout to my ex-wife, strangely, because we had that. <laughs> We had the, uh, we had, when, I'm, I'm when, <laughs> when, because uh, we, when, when, because I, I set up a security company with Luke and then, and my wife at the time, and we sponsored you in Bama. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, We yeah. sponsored you in Bama. I remember. I still you... got all my old banners. That's what I have to do. Have you? Yeah, yeah, because um, it'll yeah. be on there. Yeah, it'll be on there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, because I remember, I remember the conversation with uh, Luke and going, right, we, we, listen, we need to speak to Shaky. We need to nail down a sponsorship deal with Jack. It needs to be at least for a year because I'm telling you, it's going to sign with the UFC and then we just carry it over. And it, so like the idea being like our our company name is on you and then you get signed by the UFC and then, oh, we've got a fucking bar, like a, yeah, you yeah. paid like bargain money yeah. Anticipating you're gonna get inside yeah. the UFC, and then the Reebok deal came out like fuck, can't do it. No, yeah. it's not the guard, bastard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Reebok deal killed everyone with the sponsorships, man. Yeah. They did. Uh, no, but did, but did they? How's it working now, though? Because uh, I, I was money, listening money, to the Cody money. Garbrandt um, podcast with Joe Rogan, which has just been which has been released, and Cody was saying he's got good sponsors on board, but yes, yeah, how's so, it so be, Well, basically, yeah. You can't. I can still be sponsored by other people, but I can't wear it on my shorts in 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 the cage. So. And you can't mention it if you're doing UFC press publicity. Stuff. Right, I remember right, one right. of the best examples is fucking um, Matt Mitrione was doing a was was doing a press conference, and obviously you got to wear all Reebok cage. Like they make you they before you walk out to the weigh-ins, they come around and check your pants. They, they make sure you got pants, pants. Yeah, your what, pants. Uh, underwear. Yeah, make sure you got Reebok pants on. Underwear. Check your socks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Underwear like the Americans will listen to this. Yeah, pants. oh yeah. Pants, yeah. pants, <laughs> pants like trousers. Yeah, yeah. No, but, but fucking weirdos. <laughs> they wouldn't have got this far. They yeah. would have switched off when they were yeah. talking. Like, yeah. what the fuck language is he talking? <laughs> yeah, two Welsh people speaking to each other get worse than that. I'm alright in a minute. <laughs> Lang uh, accent wise, but yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. so so they come around. And check, make sure that everyone. But Matt Matrione, you turned up to a press conference, and he had Reebok uh, joggers on, fucking pants, boxers, um, t-shirt, and he had a pair of Nike Max trainers on, and <laughs> and they made him take it off, and he sat there barefoot, like barefoot in a press conference, and the caption was on on the picture it was like. Oh uh, yeah, they they want him to wear Reebok to make him look like professional an outfit. Like uh, nothing screams more professional than a fighter sat there with fucking barefoot. Because like, <laughs> you know he couldn't, because he wasn't allowed to wear his trainers to a press conference. Like it's fucking, it is a con. All that happened was the UFC was making more money out of sponsor. Reebok are paying the UFC, and we getting a shit. I think I was on five thousand dollars, which sounds nice. Uh, uh, per what? Fight per fight. Yeah, so like. Or be after the deal with Reebok, yeah. Like so, that's that's what I was getting off Reebok. Obviously, I got other sponsors. I got other sponsors, but people are not willing to pay a massive amount of money when they're not going to be 
watched by millions of people. They all they get is me putting on Instagram. Oh, thanks for my sponsorship. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you know, like when you sponsored me, I had a big banner behind me and it was on my shorts and stuff like that. Yeah, people want that, and some some small businesses do it just, you know, just to help the fighter out. That's that's what it that's what it normally is. But you know, a lot of them start to get to the point where they're like, "Fucking hell, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't giving this boy a couple of grand." If I, you know, I mean, he's gonna say thank you on Facebook. Fucking fuck that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean like, which I understand, which because I, I wouldn't fucking do it either. So, yeah, it's it's is a is a weird one. It's re, but you got to wear all the Reebok stuff, and then you get paid that money each each fight, which which obviously I. My first fight in the UFC, I was Reebok, so I never got to experience it. But from people I know and know well, they telling me that they was earning fucking. Oh, they they, they was earning like fifty grand out of sponsorship, fifty grand out of sponsorship on their fight, and then they, you, you're having five years. You're thinking oh. mega bucks, and but the companies got on board with that was switched on motherfuckers. So do you remember that company called? It was something fasteners. Uh, this is actually I'm actually not. I'm actually gobbling off about how good this company were at the marketing. I can't remember the name. <laughs> uh, so it was something fasteners, wasn't it? It was, uh, it was something fasteners. Because some, it was in red letters and always near seed. Always see it. Oh, shit. Something fasteners it was. And that was the name of the company. I remember looking. I mean, who were these? See these names everywhere. All the time. I've seen this big red letters all the time. I remember looking them up. And they made some random... And this is a company who made some random like bit of just some some component part of some manufacturing process what the fuck are they something fasteners but they'd gone oh, let's tap into something here and get our fucking name everywhere i think i've seen I they think made I've, mega bucks man. i think i've seen a thing on youtube talking about some of these random sponsors that done the ufc in the early days and they went big off it like so yeah it's fucking mental, mental. um Corn nuts as well. I can remember that as well. It was corn nuts, some random little popcorn thing, and I was on all the fighter shorts. Corn nuts. Corn nuts <laughs> yeah. So, question for you, uh, patron, patron question. Um, uh, let's look it up. So, questions from my patrons, and it was, uh, who would you who who would you like to get into the octagon with, and why? I wonder whether that's like, well, past or present sort of thing, is it? It's like anyone. Oh, who? Anyone? Uh, you, uh, I, it doesn't matter. Anyone. To, well, to be honest with you, like, not, not in the past. I obviously love Mike Bispin. Like, yeah, but, you know, I'd love to fight him as in, because he's just a tough gun, and we'd have. <laughs> be carnage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be lots of blood and lots of, yeah. And, and he's Bisping. a brilliant, yeah, and he's a brilliant fighter. And, and I, he always, every time I'm at a show, he'll speak to me, and he's just a fucking nice guy, like, but that sounds fucked up. Well, he's a really nice guy. I'd love to fight him, <laughs> but but no, I would like I would like I I I that's like a legend. I mean, you're the 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 first right real UK guy to go win a title, the biggest name, and you know what I mean. I just think yeah. He's dad's ex-military. Is he? And yeah. his, his, do you know what? I seen him. Seen his him dad was Queen's regiment, I think. Is is but his brother, right? Two seconds. I'm gonna call. Oh. I gotta call him, Mrs. <laughs> I get some ice. Is that uh, right? Uh, Sorry. Aye, I might go over got a, anyway. What? <laughs> Broke the seal of night. Oh, you want to go to the toilet again? <laughs> yeah. Go on, go to the toilet. Sorry. I got a, I got Jack. Go to the toilet again. I got Jack's missus. Just grabbing some ice. We got, we got an assistant in the studio today. Thank you very much. Cheers.
Thank you. And we drink in uh, Jack Daniels and Coke, which we haven't drank since uh, the time with Jack and I were still serving in Colchester in some dodgy clubs, pubs. With the sugar. Cheers. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Uh, Tom works for NHS. Shout out to NHS. Yeah, I'm at a loss here. So, it's a point for Jack to come back. I always thought I'd be prepared for this moment if someone left the studio to go for a wee. But I'm not. Uh, come on. Come on, Jack. Yeah. How was your experience going of the HOS studio and podcast? Is it? <laughs> Are you learning? Are you learning about Jack? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, where were we? Oh yeah, so Jack Michael Bispin, yeah. Are you yeah, uh, so he's he is on he is a target. I would love to get him on the podcast actually. Uh, uh Bispin. Um for much the same reasons as chatting to you. Just fucking uh that 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 brawler that brawler attitude. What do you think? Here's a question for you. So you're getting smashed by punches, right? You've got a reputation for being able to take a punch. You don't get knocked out. Like you can. Just, then there are people who can just take it, and there are people who just can't. Just fucking get dropped yeah. on the spot. <laughs> Drop it like a hot, right? So in those situations, when you were toe-to-toe and you were brawling and you were going one for one, what do you think is keeping you on your feet? Is it is it adrenaline keeping you on your feet? Or is it... a is it more of a physiological thing where my brain just doesn't get switched off? Lack of, lack of the brain. <laughs> no, I am. Um, because no, it's, it's, it's interesting. Because it's like, it's, it's a science to it, right? People know if you clock the jaw at the right point, like that good angle, left to right, and you switch that nerve, you're going to get your lights knocked out. It don't happen with you, though. Yeah, well, well, well everyone says, oh, you've got a good chin. we all got the same fucking chin, haven't we? we all got the same. <laughs> your chin's your chin. you like, everyone, oh, you got a good chin. It's, it's not, it's, I don't know, it's like you can either take a dig or you can't. It's like, it pissed me off in my last fight. That that guy, he was like in the middle of the fight. He was going, "Oh, why won't you know his fucking ridiculous American accent like what they do?" Oh, he's he's going, he's going. Like go, do, do you know what? Right? I didn't like. I, him. I, 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 hang on, disclaimer. I didn't like him anyway before the fight started. And I said, <laughs> "Oh no, it's going to get worse because he's fighting Jack." Yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate do, this do, dude. Do, do you know? Do you know what? Right? I I also I, even after the fight, I still speak to the guy now. Right? And I don't speak to no because I'm a horrible cunt. <laughs> Because I'm an horrible cunt. I don't really speak to any any of it. Like whoever I fight, whatever. Like I don't fucking. It is what it is. We've had a fight. I don't care. We ain't buddies anymore. Like you know what I mean. Like it. But but anyway, I still speak to him. He actually ain't a bad guy because he's a weirdo. He's a bit like me. He he just likes to scrap. But he pissed me off in the fight because he keeps going. He's like it is fucking ridiculous American ass and go. Why won't you drop? It's like he don't fucking hit hard. That's why. Like. He, do you know he like kept screaming? Oh, like why? Oh, why won't you drop? And so I was like, I was like, because you hit like a fucking five-year-old. You can't like fucking. You hit, he might have been cut to me and stuff, but he wouldn't hurt me. It's like I've been I've been on free power boxing team and I've had fucking Sean Osfo punch me. <laughs> Sean Sean Osfo punch me in the face. I tell him what fucking hurts. Like you, you, there's no such thing as a fucking good chin. It's like it's either a shot that'll knock you out or or a shot that won't knock you out. And I did, just you know half of these guys don't hit hard enough. It's like like I said, but. <laughs> As mad as it is, when I'm training for an amateur fight with free power oxygen, I just get it by fucking Errol, Errol and fucking Sean Osfell. Fuck, 
you want to talk about getting hit hard, you soon quickly know that they're the ones who are punchers, you know what I mean? They're people who are going to hurt you with shots, like, it's fucking, yeah. But, you know, it's, Can you, can you, is it, do you think it's possible to condition yourself to take big hits? No, I, I've seen all these mad things with, because they reckon it's something to do with your neck and stuff as well, like, you know, like the pout, like the strength for your neck, and then you see all these people doing weights on their heads and all, like, a, it might be, I've not looked into the science of it, but it might be true, but I just think it's bollocks. I think you can either take a shot or you can't, I think. It's the same as you're either a puncher or you're not a puncher, because you can train as hard as you want, do you, know, you see all these guys doing the fucking Olympic barbells, go boom, boom, like trying to strengthen up their arm. You're either a puncher or you're not. Some boys are end punchers. Some people are, some people are gonna are always gonna be destined to be a, a boxer, slick, moving on, boom. And, and, and then some people are gonna be destined to do that, and some people are gonna be a puncher who just like, if they catch you on the chin, they're gonna be fucking sleep. That's is in my eyes, you're either sort of born with the one or the other, and is. Do you know what I mean? You, you've not, you might be unlucky if not pulled my fuck all. You might be the one who can't box or get fucking punches. Fucking, you know, shit happens. Like, but, um, yeah, no, I just think, I think, like, um, I don't think you can train your chin. I don't think you can train your punching power. I think it is what it is. Obviously, you can get better at anything. You can you can do little bits to enhance anything, but I think you, you, is that either about you or then, like, if you, if you get in, I know boys who are really good, Boxers would you know weak to the body. If you hit them to the body, you'll you'll always hurt them. Like if Tim catch them to the body, and they might be shredded to fuck and whatever is like, they just naturally weak to that body. And don't matter how many fucking setups, how many things they do for their conditioning, they just can't take a shot to the body. And it's like I I just think it, it, it's your body. You there's not a lot you can do about changing it. Like, mm. yeah, it's interesting. I started. Uh, I know what you mean. I think it's the tech thing I I understand I got I got, I got two daughters right one can kick a football yeah and the other one can also kick a football but I would not pick her for my team <laughs> I, <laughs> I wouldn't I, I, <laughs> I, I was I was the kid that wasn't getting picked for the team I was, <laughs> I was, and, and 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 you can't uh, and you can't teach like you can say okay this is how you should swing your leg this is how you should connect with the ball and this is you know Blah 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 blah, but unless it all clicks, as in, you, you, I, I see what you're saying. It's like the same with punching. Um, I do pads with the girls, both my daughters. Yeah, one is slightly better than the other. Yeah, one can throw punches, the other can't. And and, and I'm telling them both the same thing. Same with the football. You tell them both the same things, but, what but one is better than the other. And all that is is just the relationship of the brain to the body. Yeah. That's all it is, and but, everyone's but, different, right? But it's, it's, it's the same as, like, do you know, like Anthony Joshua, go go into boxing. He only had, like, so when people go into the Olympics, when people go into the Olympics, they've normally had, like, fucking 200... 250 amateur fights. Do you know that sort of level? They, you know, they've done all the world championships. They've done all these big tournaments. Everything. Yeah, Anthony Joshua went in. I think it was like 40 odd amateur fights, which is like fucking. I think it might have been lads on the boxing team was <laughs> more. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and and he only started boxing at like. Do you know like say say he made it big when he was like 20. He only started boxing like when he was like 18 or something like that. It's, like I said, this relationship. How you take it on? It's like it. You could be doing it for ten years and be okay, or someone could be doing it for one year and be fucking shit hot. It's how you take the things, isn't it? I think. Mm. 
Yeah, how have we gone to that conversation? Because you, because you, because you was on about one of your daughters progressing and listening and taking on what you told her quicker than others. What I'm saying is, oh, no, it's, going oh to yeah, the gym. sorry, yeah, no, no, it's not that one took it on quicker. It's that no. one's body is good at this, yeah. the other one's is good at that. So, uh, and again, it's a, it, it's like. Uh, People are innately good at things. It comes back to the the, the fucking. The, it's one thing want to be a fighter. It's one thing want to be a rugby player. It's one thing want to be a football player. It's one thing want to be a fucking singer. It's like <laughs> mega. You can put all the effort in the world, but sometimes to be top level, to be in the UFC, to be on. I can say on top of the pops then. Can fit, can fiddle. <laughs> no, to be you know a, a platinum record seller, it, it has to be something else, and that's something else. That's not an additional or bit of luck. It can just be all the genetic lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it can be that. You know, a, a prime. Ex- in fact, a prime example of that is getting knocked the fuck out. It's like some people get switched off, lights get switched off. Yeah. The, like of what, the Carl Noon fight, I referenced yeah. it earlier. It's like I'm watching that fight and going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And in the last round, I'm going, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking right. You got tired of it. And, and the last fight you had, it's like, how are, you not, how are your lights not going out? Whereas my lights would go, bang, <laughs> good night. It's, it's, um, it's, your, it's a common issue of genetic makeup. Uh, your. The environment which you're born into, and then what your consciousness is, and the aspirations you want to you you fucking move towards. Would you? Would you recommend um, joining up to your kids? Yeah. Oh, see, I got I got a took little... a massive fucking di- <clears throat> to fucking digress there massively. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. No. I um. Well, I got a daughter, and like obviously, I I'm, got two daughters. I, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm like red right, through and through as well. Like to the mentality. So in my head, I wouldn't want my daughter to join the army. If I had a son, you wouldn't. I, no, why? No, I just, I, um, <laughs> I tell you, I'd probably tell her to join fucking RAF if if I was ever going to go to an army. Why is that? Because I just think they looked after better than the way we was looked after, and I, f- you, I think you probably, you probably agree. Do you know the benefits for the shit that we done? For the shit that we done, we it, like it. It's only when you get out and you start doing shit for yourself that you start getting a bit of benefits. But do you know, being a para and doing fucking Ali shit, what we used to think was Ali. When you get out, it it don't mean shit to anyone, do it? It's, what, what difference? What, you use you use a sniper doing all sorts of stuff with with, with the reds, right? What, what difference do it make when you get out? It don't make a fucking. You, you, yeah, cheers, but he fucking go sack the shells in Tesco's. Don't mean fuck all, do it? Do you know what I mean? I, I agree. I agree. It, 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 it it's uh, on very rare occasions it makes a difference what unit you came from. When ignoring special forces, right? So sorry, special forces, ignoring you, right? But ignore ignoring that aspect. But it, most often it makes very little difference what unit you came from. To the per, to third parties. However, what it does make a big difference is to to I think it makes a big difference to you thinking about what you you came from. So uh, what I think about Parage and probably the boot next thing it too, um, maybe PF is that we have a psychological advantage 
of is that we've been conditioned not what brainwashed but we conditioned and we've been taught to think that we are better than everyone else <laughs> now i'm going to leave that conversation there because i, I right because i don't want to lose half my fucking listener <laughs> but that's where we're at right and so having that in the back of your mind oh i come from a a really like top of uh, top of the tree thing it helps with confidence but i think that is the same case for the military in general just the fact that uh, we go through hardships generally speaking that uh, civilians don't means that we, it's the reason why you know you put an eight you put an 18 you put a 19 year old if you put a 19 year old uh jack marshman in power edge depot or fucking whatever imagine jack marshman went for rough edge or went for um <laughs> or went for the royal anglians or whatever he put that 19-year-old Jack Marshman against 19-year-old Jack Marshman who was an avatarary and didn't join up. There's a significant difference there, even like six months in or a year yeah, in, yeah. and then compared it on. You know, um, there there is an there is there's a it's, you get mental fortitude from it, and and that that mental fortitude you can even if you take all of the hardships away of the stuff that we go through, uh, hard training and fucking hard operations and all all that all the stereotypical stuff that ex-military go yeah that's why we're fucking mega and sif pop of shit which is not the case but that's you know a lot of the time that's what that's how the uh the relationship is perceived you take all that away the hardship stuff just the fact that we're experiencing stuff that is different to most other people anyone anyone in in the world that you that experiences stuff that is is unusual different to most other people you're at an advantage you're at an advantage yeah, straight yeah. off but straight off the bat you know you grew up and um and you're involved in some fucking hideous accident your your dad murders your mum <laughs> Right, you're. In, <laughs> I've had too much whiskey. Yeah, you're in an advantage. Told her dad the old. Shit, the bad. But, but uh, that that you know, you you're in an advantage straight away. Different, different, unusual circumstances. You know people, and I know people who have never left the village. This is classic Wales stuff. It's probably classic Northern England stuff, and probably classic Scotland outside of Glasgow, Edinburgh, and Dundee stuff. Yeah, yeah. People that have literally never left their town. They've never gone out of Scotland or Wales. They've never done it. They've never experienced anything else. And how can you expand as uh, you can? How can you expand as a person? How can you look to um, uh, achieve more than what? You think? Why are you looking at that? But I was going to say, but do you not think that the, we are uh, we are on the no, fucking Jack Daniels and <laughs> we're on the Jack Daniels and Coke train here? No, mate. no. But do you not think that there's, pe there's people like that in the Reds? <laughs> yeah, I know. Fucking up. You saw Rob before the door. No drug testing. <laughs> yeah, no. Do you not think um, <clears throat> that it's people like that that are in the people in the Reds? Do you know they've left their little towns, joined joined the Reds, and then. That's all they, they don't want to do anything other than oh they read through and through it's like you know obviously you you've gone on and like like uh, same as me there's plenty of us that have done that but there's so many lads in the reds that 
will never do anything other than be on free para. But why but, why is that though? And and and, 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 and it's an important one. It's a, it's a good point of conversation actually, Jack. And it's an important one. And it's not just red centric, it's anyone. So they've joined up and they've gone Royal Anglians. It's all yeah, no, it's Royal Anglians and fucking yeah, Royal Anglians yeah, through yeah. through or Raffredge through and through or Royal Welsh or fucking guards or um rifles or yeah. green jackets or whatever through and through. Why so why do those people do that? It's hard to explain this. Like, it's well, it's a brainwash mentality, you know. I think like a lot of them are brainwashed. No, I don't think. Like, no, I don't think it's a. I think I think we target the brainwash sometimes, and we go, "Oh, fucking brainwash." But what I think in reality it is is, you've got if you look at in if you look at a person like that, okay, which is arguably as in some aspects, right? You look at like that. You're looking at a person's life, okay, which is just normal life all the way through. Okay, so they go, normal life, normal life, normal life, join up, right? They join up, and then all of a sudden, they've got most of their life. That, that door, that, that door, if you put that handle to horizontal, horizontal, pull it closed, and then push it down. No, no, so keep it horizontal. Down. I said down. There you go. Uh, so uh, they have normal, normal, normal. Then they join up, and they've got a whole period of life, which is completely unusual, right? And, and it's like, oh. X, Y, uh, John Smith is in the army or RAF or Navy or whatever. And that, that makes them, that gives them something remarkable about them. Okay. That this is, and, and the reason I say that is, uh, the reason that's relevant is because these are, for the people this affects is they think there's nothing remarkable about them. They think they are, they incorrectly think they are worthless. I just fucking just cannon fodder person in life. Yeah. And then they join up and they all of a sudden have relevance and something different about them. And they get attention for it, as I did, as you did, as I did, as you did, when you join up and they get attention for it. And and there's something special about them. And people want to speak to them and they, they've got something different to talk about and blah, blah, blah. And then they leave. And what happens when they leave? <laughs> They're yeah. back to the same. And all they've got to cling on to. All that they, all, what they've done is they've pinned everything that uh, everything that underpins their existence and what makes them is entirely the military. And in fact, when you're in the military, you are you become your value in life becomes completely extrinsic. So, what I mean is, before you and I joined up, you just lived you cracked on you got a job or you went to the gym or you fucking played rugby or football or whatever and then but when you get in so you get rewards from that right just general like it's just, just rewarding be part of a group but when you join up all of your rewards your what what keeps you going as a person is extrinsic it's your instructor in depot telling you yeah fucking well don't tell you well done it's not getting, <laughs> it's not getting battered is it and then when you get in you know it's it's it it's uh it's controlling the team or being part of the team doing the right thing for your section commander or it's all extrinsic it's all extrinsic rewards promotion fucking all that shit and then when you leave all that disappears again because you don't you're not constantly getting indications of where you sit in society or your community does that make sense yeah yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Part, yeah does that make a sense no it does yeah okay yeah. it's like when you when you when you're in the army you get your 
was it like every three months? Every three months, you get your little report telling you where you sat in, where you sat, how you doing, how you doing. Yeah. You don't get, you don't get that on Sesame Street. You don't. You yeah, are yeah. the well, bottom the, third. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you follow that on Instagram? The bottom yeah, third. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking it. brilliant. But I, yeah, I was in that crew. <laughs> uh, no, I um, yeah, this is it's one of them ones, isn't it? It's like I said, when you get to Sesame Street, it's it's all off your own back then, isn't it? It's like and. Yeah, no one telling you whether you're doing good or bad or, you know what I mean? But obviously with, with what I do, it's a bit different. It's like you know if you're doing good or bad because like one time you're winning, one time you're losing. So you know if you're doing good or bad. Like so, and then so, and so hard for me. Like, but I understand how some of them struggle when they get out. Like, yeah, I need a piss. This is also a first. <laughs> Jeez, right, so I don't switch it. Don't, don't forget, I don't switch it off. So I'm going to go for a piss. I want you to, I want, while I'm having a piss, which took all of about a minute and a half, we're going to be done soon, by the way. Um, can you uh, can you talk through your military career? So start when you when you joined up, and then just dot through your ops. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, you're gonna be talking to yourself, mind. Yeah, I got it. I got, right, it. got it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, happy. And not to yourself, talking to the masses. Yeah, remember? Yeah, uh, I got it. Yeah, yeah I got I'm, it. Yeah, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say again? Talk to your military career. Yeah. I um. Yeah, so. Joined the army two thousand seven. Uh, joined the army in two thousand seven. My first tour of Afghanistan was two thousand eight. Second was two thousand ten. Um, I boxed in like multiple championships with three para, all the way from two thousand eight all the way up to like two thousand sixteen maybe. Um, yeah, different courses I done. I done the the PTI's course, uh, junior NCOs card. Um, yeah, uh, done machine guns card. Just a, most of the things you do when you power edge, really. I'll do surely. I'll do surely. I, I can't keep talking myself much longer. <laughs> Drink. It shouldn't be too much longer now, I don't think. Well, it's alright though. You stop talking. Yeah. You stopped completely. No, it's not completely. <laughs> You're right, cold. What did you get to? All of it, but <laughs> bullet points, yeah. <laughs> right, question for you. So we're at, um, not we, you, you were, uh, yeah, you got in at, you joined up at 17, military, fighting, but now you're like in bog standard, you experience in bog standard civvy mode as well. What's it like, um, what's it like planning, long-term planning, like uh, pl career planning after, for after the fight career, when that finishes, well, how is that going? Obviously, yeah. you you're doing like you're looking at security, which is fucking good move. Yeah. Um, for your background and what you do, I mean, UFC fight now, people fucking snap you up. How you find what's what's your experience so far? Yeah, obviously, fucking now, you ever ever think it's going to be um, <clears throat> Kevin Costner the bodyguard, don't they? They all think that's what, that's what I ever think CP is like. It's not. 
obviously he's not that like at the minute of fucking doing stupid jobs in stupid parts of the country that should end, uh, end up much. But um, and you're about the hundredth person to say to me, oh, you know your background, fucking, you're gonna be snapped up. I haven't been yet, <laughs> so, but but I like I understand. I've I've not been doing it that long for it uh, to be picked up yet. But I'm hoping. I can move on to something a bit more secure because the jobs I'm doing at the minute are really not security orientated, which pisses me off. It's like you feel like, do, do, no, no, <laughs> no, but do, do you know, like when it's, it's not the route you want to do, I'd rather be more security personnel than mucking out stables. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like that's the sort of work that I'm in at the minute, but yeah, it's the best of work, and that's. No offense. That's like naivety on your part. In in the same way as I don't stand like MMA career getting get to which I'm asking about it. It's like I understand security. And that's but it's a it's a rite of passage. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. Um what I like in the way you were doing things is I think that um people would in your position other people, maybe, would seek to immediately capitalize on the fact that you you're a UFC fighter uh in and they would immediately seek to capitalize on that and they would immediately think that they that they are god's gift and they should be snapped up immediately as PPO you know yeah, personal yeah. protection officer um director some fucking ninja client customer um principal you know, bodyguard straight away. When it, what I like about, and obviously, before we we, we talk about setting this podcast that we were chat before, I sort of like about the way you're doing things is you have no, you you don't have those pretenses. You're fully aware, and it's important because, again, as we were talking before we can before we we start recording, it's like uh, there's a lot of shit you gotta understand. The same way as like same way as with uh, the MMA, you you can you can learn to fight. You can you can you can be taught in a fight, but then when you start fighting professionally, that's a whole different ball game. It's a whole whole uh, that's a whole different world. You need to understand it before you even start trying to make a success of it. It's the same with security. It's 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 difficult. It's not easy. And uh, if you think if you can go if you can go straight into the top level, you're completely misguided. Um, and what you, what it seems to me correct me wrong. What it seems to me like you are seeking to do is understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Understand, understand the industry, understand exactly what it is, what the what the client will want, and then prep yourself so when that job comes, you're fucking ready for it properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have, I mean, I mean, you you downplay it, but you have got a massive a massive advantage. The reality of the fact, Jack, is that most I would say that most the highest a significant percentage of People who call themselves cross protection officers or personal protection officers and bodyguards in inverted commas uh, do not have the required level of uh, um, uh, fighting experience yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, the ability to deal with a physical confrontation. They don't have it. They don't have yeah. it. They don't. And it, uh, it's unfortunate, really, because it does a disservice to the industry. You were all over that. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> yeah, you, you've got that tick in the box, you know, yeah. and, and there's no question in there. Um, but I was your, you, you've, you, and you, like you said, you're doing, you've been doing some jobs. 
fashion into the security industry. How, what's it like going from fight work to security work? Well, do, do you know what? Just because you said earlier about like when you messaged me about it, like uh, the thing you said to me the one on one of the messages was about not being a job snob. Like uh, not being. Well, let's say, hand that. Uh, I'm gonna ha wait, so I'm gonna stop you there because I'm gonna hand that. That is Nick. McCarthy, I pinched that saying from him. Yeah. He taught me that, and I say it repeatedly. Yeah. So Nick McCarthy, yeah. here, go on, yeah. yeah. It's not like, one. Yeah, yeah, job snob, yeah. Yeah, well, not being a job snob, and like, I, I don't care where I've been, like, with the UFC. I'll, I'll go fucking walk, I'm walking people's dogs and fucking picking up their shit and shit like that and do it. Like, I don't care because I'm getting an insight into where I'm going to be. I know where I think I'm going to be set to go, and like, you keep, like, people keep saying, oh, you'll be snapped up, you'll be snapped up. I, I I got an idea of where I'm going to go, but I'd rather fucking learn, because I've been fighting for the last so many years, like, you know, like, full-time, nothing else other than fighting. No military, no nothing, like, I've just been fighting. So I, I'm back at square one with, like, you know, learning that security side of stuff. Like, even even with the security I'm working, like I said, with with Bill and that, work, work with him, like, fucking you know, just learning the how to turn the alarm off and shit, like, guys, like... Shit that seems normal, but it's like I wonder what the fuck have I ever touched one of them? Even transferring calls and shit like that. It's like I've never touched one of them. So I'm, I, you, you. When you said that to me the one day, you said, oh, "Don't be a job snob. Enjoy it. Just learn." Like I, I took, I proper took that on board, and I was like, "Listen," I was like, "And it's so because I, I think at the time when I because I was messing, I think I was slagging the job off a bit when I was saying a bit like pissed off and then he said, oh, well, don't be a job snob, do this, do that, do, like, whatever. And I took it on board because then I thought, yeah, fuck it, no, you have got to learn. The job is shit, though. Like, here's the reality of uh, security work. Like, whatever level you're at, whether you're a security guard on a fucking, I don't know, some fucking site, some industrial park somewhere, like, doing that high-vis vest. And I've done that. Like, as I was saying to you, I've done it. I did that deliberately because it was, I need, I, I just wanted to keep my hand in, and while I was working in the Middle East, I come back, and I just keep my hand in the UK, and I've, I've done it, I vis vest on, and doing shitty staggering on for minimum wage, but I did it because I wanted experience, I wanted to understand, and plus I wanted to expand the network, and plus, why wouldn't I want to fucking earn money, right? And then, the other end of the spear, which is, the, the, the fucking, sorry, that's that one experience, it's all shit. It is, it is repetitive stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you, we were talking earlier about Squirrel, Warren, Warren, who will be listening to this. He listens to the podcast and make, like, yeah. Warren, fucking big shout, Warren, and yeah. fucking mega bloke. Well, I'm gonna, oh, well after, after speak with him, I'm obviously going to look to catch up with him. After yeah, yeah, tonight, 100%. Yeah. And, like, he is, I think, on my list of people who I know, he's one of the most experienced people in high end, high net worth people. Uh, protecting people, high protecting high high net worth individuals, right? It's all shit, and he will tell you the same thing, right? And if he tells you otherwise, then tell me because I'll be like, "Fucking hell, proper wrong." It's all shit, right? But it's mega on the. It's a bit like when we're in. Everything is shit, Jack. Right? But how mega is it when you're in Tofan, yeah, and you go out on a patrol and you get bumped? Yeah, you get the enemy contact, yeah, and you fucking do them in. And you yeah, you fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. you fucking wipe them out and you get back to camp. It's the same thing. Ninety nine point nine percent of it's being bullshit. in the reg yeah. is shit. Point one percent is oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> and it's the same with uh, security, right? But 
very few people get get to experience an adverse event in security because most people are at the um, baseline. They're not at the level close enough to the principle um, to experience uh, uh, a, a challenging event or uh, uh, they're not at the level where they're they're not uh, involved in the front line because it's not always not always looking after one person. You could be looking after a, a, a venue, for yeah, example, yeah, yeah. protests, all that shit, and not at that level, right? But so very few people get experience that and then test themselves, test the metal, right? But the the most challenging thing, the 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 most uh, hideous situation for being a bodyguard, being a PPO, CPO, um, would be a physical attack on the principal. And how'd you deal with that? Yeah, uh, that's what the well, that's not most challenging. Well, yes, but that'd be most that'd be most challenging for the for the bodyguard, for the PPO. But uh, as in, they'd have to do something. What's what's your record for pee breaks, mate? For what? You know another one. Piss breaks. <laughs> should we should we shut it off? You need another one. Yeah. I, Fucking go, hell. Good. I'll, I'll finish off then. Or you was it done? Go for a piss, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Good, because I'm mincing my words now. Mate, you're feeding me JD and Coke. <laughs> this is three pisses. I've had, how many have I had? One. Oh, well, uh, yeah, we'll finish off in a minute when he comes back in. He's uh, talking to a thin air. Still here. <laughs> Don't want to do. I need to get better at this. I need to practice this. I need to practice the guest leaving the room for piss. So you do. Uh, he, Jack is on. Uh, he's on Instagram. He's on Twitter. He's on Twitter. He's on Twitter. Yeah, he's on Twitter. He's on Instagram. Um, I don't know if he's on LinkedIn. But um, hit him up. Yeah. Before I come back in, that's my. Uh, here he is. Fucking hell, mate. It's hard. I've not done this before, where people have left the room. What's the matter? What are you asking? What are you asking? What's that? What are you saying? I said it's on the record. Right, well, yeah, no one's ever taken a piss. You're the first person. Yeah, the first person. Anyway, right, we're gonna we're gonna fucking tackle it. What have you not covered that you wanted to cover? What did you? You in you're in a rush, yeah. Excellent. What um talking about uh Reg, Afghan. What's your takeaway memory? Big shout to fucking Waters, by the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I say yeah, 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 yeah Waters, yeah. It was, I, do you know what? That's one of them ones that we... Obviously, he's my sergeant, wasn't he? And then uh, I loved him a bit, like when we was here. And then I lost contact with him. And then when I read the article... You know, because I read that online. I didn't like you. Know, I just heard I read he was fucking got a Shit times in it. But, um... The only thing I got to say about like with the Afghan is like it's a mad how different it is. It's like when I went in in 2008 because I think that's the first time I met you was 2008. I think it was because we were probably the only two Welsh people there. <laughs> but um, who were you with in 2008? Which company? Because I came up halfway through the tour. I came on. Do you know when we just went to sang in? It was with a very company. Dave Hutch and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I, 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 I came then. I did like fucking. Okay. Um, and I gone. Yeah. 
Yeah, but what I was going to say, it's like the difference between, like, you know, like, when you're, like, you're young. I was, like, on that one, I was, like, just turned 18, because, like, half my platoon wasn't allowed to go because they weren't old enough yet. So it was, like, I'd, like, I'd fucking, I'd just passed the 18 barrier, so I'd be, it was, like, so I was allowed to go. So it was, like, I've, I was initiated straight into free bar. I do mean? It's, like, this mega. But, um... When you're young like that and you don't get fucking then like they're only two years later, like when you go to fucking like messes or family or whatever, it's like how different it is, do you know what I mean? Like about like when you go on tour, it's completely different when it's like when you're young, no kids in the world to when you got something. So like I imagine one is like when 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 you got a fucking wife and kids and stuff, like and you go on tour it's I I don't know how how like the older lads can deal mm. with it, like really. It's tough. Yeah, I, yeah, as I remember it, um, it's just part of life. You don't even question it, really. Yeah. Um, I think as you go up the ranks, they've got more leniency in what you can and can't do in terms of how you steer. It depends where you are in your career as well, how you steer, how long you're going to be away and shit like that. But, um, would you uh, would you recommend a uh, an MMA career over a military career or vice versa? No, no, vice versa, definitely. I'd rather, I'd, I'd say go for the military. It's a safe, you know what I mean? Yeah, fucking hell. Jump and reach for your dreams all you want, but it ain't always going to be what it's going to, what people think, like. So, MMA's a tough sport to be in, and any sport's a tough sport to be in. But, like, military's tough, but it's like a, it's a good network to be in, and you're going to be looked after, and you're going to be constant wage, you're going to be... Job security. Yeah, yeah. Just like anything where you got to, where, where you were the main asset is fucking, you know what I mean? A, you know, something go wrong with that asset, i.e., fucking injuries, some, you know, just anything. Just having a shit day. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's, it's all on you then, isn't it? Mm. So right. I, I'd say military 100%. Last question to finish off with is a fucking big one. All right, let me bring it up. Stefan Hool. I've already warned you off with this one. Stefan Hool. Do I be ruthless? Right. So I'll read it a bit. Right? We smashed our chat at us. Fucking Jesus. Right, Stefan Hool. Uh, his question. He's one of our patrons. Views on inclusivity in MMA. He's doing a nice order. <laughs> Views on inclusivity in MMA uh, from equal pay to the idea of mixed gender fighting. So, um, should mixed, should, could mixed gender fighting be allowed? Might be allowed. Or be enabled, not allowed, no, enabled. No, I am. Um... Microphone. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I am. Um... I, I, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. I th I genuinely, in my opinion, <clears throat> no matter in what capacity it is, whether they're same weight, whatever, anything, but a man lumping a woman in the face is not going to be. It's not going to be all right. Like, so I, I don't I don't agree a man should ever fight a woman, whether or not that man now identifies as a woman, so he can lump a woman in the face. Is is not no. no I don't. I. I. I don't think it's right. I just don't think it's fair, and I don't think. I don't think there'll be any promotion where they're gonna be all right with that. 
What about Chrissy Cyborg? <laughs> she, she got she got a birth certificate saying she's a woman. <laughs> you know, where that birth certificate come from, I don't know. But <laughs> no, 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 I'm playing up. She, she <laughs> no, <laughs> fuck. Dana, Dana White got into trouble for saying she looked like fucking Vandalay Silver in a dress. So. Yeah, no, I, I just, I just don't think men and women fighting together. Like, I think women can fight, but you know, mixed. What's the difference? So what's what what why why? So you, you mean? Let me explain to you. Let me give you this scenario, Jack. Right? Yeah. There is a woman, and she is your height. She is your build. Okay. She is your. She girl. got your breeze block fucking head as a head, right? And she has got the same fighting experience. It's hypothetical. Because she doesn't really exist. she got the same fighting experience and background as what you have. Would, uh, has she, is she equal to you in terms of fight capability? <laughs> so I'm losing half my followers now. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I, 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 no, I'm joking, I'm joking. No, um, no, no, I don't. I honestly, I just can't. But why? What's the reason? Listen, I, I agree I, I, with you. I, I, I agree I, I, with I, I, you. I, 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 can't, I can't explain the reason, but uh, I, I watch it in the gym. I watch a, 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 a purple belt girl who weighs 65 kilos roll with a purple belt boy who's 65 kilos, and she gets fucked up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And that's in a grappling match. That's in a little half-hearted grappling match. If he was lumping her in the face as well, it'd be... Do you know what I mean? It'd, it'd, yeah, it'd, it'd, I'm it'd, I, 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 the I... I, uh, I my fear, I would I would like everyone have I would love it love it, everyone have equal opportunity which everyone should have, but in terms of the the female and male thing and especially the transgender thing, I think the and again I'm a fucking layman right, but when I think about um, like I, if my daughter, like either of my daughters, was your height build, and and fucking long strength. And had the same background as you in fighting, I would still not want them to get in the ring with you, or the octagon with you, or whatever thing with you, or in the street. Wouldn't want them to. And the one when I think about it, okay, well, why why do you think that, Hugh? On what scientific basis? I think well, I'm not a scientist, but one bullet point numero uno would be testosterone, and anything to do with adrenaline. Like with blokes, we pump it out. Like we, we designed to go from zero to hero, from flipping vegan to nuclear in a matter of nanoseconds. <laughs> is a you know is a reason why we get worked up physically and get pumped and go fucking wild physically, compared to women. Generally speaking, there are obviously exceptions. Yeah. You know, it's but exceptions. you go back to. Stick Ronda Rousey, who was the tip of the spear at a time in being a fucking animal for women's MMA. Stick her in with her counterpart in in the male. Even in 20 years' time, if you put everyone in a train together, the train together is the big one. You, you, you put women in a train with men, they're going to get closer to the capabilities of men. They won't ever get in, they won't ever get to the point of what they are truly capable of physically, because this is what I think, by the way. Because they ain't able to produce the same kind of um, hormones and chemicals that men can, which are connected to survival. I'm looking at the NHS. Yeah. Correct? Correct? Am I right? 
No. <laughs> but that's that's where I see it. It's like, look, adrenaline, testosterone, that's their survival, their survival chemicals, amongst other things, and hormones, amongst other things. But we do it, there's a reason, you know. It takes, it's going to take evolution of the species for us to be matched in terms of, like, scrap capability. That's my thoughts on it. And, and as you say, it's evidenced in what's going on. But coming back to, I had an interesting chat. So on that patron, the patron question about the transgender questions, um, Stefan, Stefan Hall, he's, a, he's ex-military and he's a, a react res, uh, disaster responder volunteer. And he phoned me after he put in the, the thing about um, uh, the question about transgender stuff. And what I realised was, I think, right, so, bear with me here, that there's a massive gap between the, uh, 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 so again, adrenaline, adrenaline or testosterone capabilities, producing capabilities between male and female, right? But when you're a transgender, okay, so when you're a male, you take, you undergo um, hormone therapy, right, to get closer hormonally to being a woman. And when you're a woman going to a man, you undergo testosterone therapy to get closer to a man. So arguably, and I've done no scientific research on this, I thought about it yesterday, but surely a transgender man and a transgender woman must be closer together. There must be less of a gap yeah, in testosterone yeah, and yeah, hormones yeah, than there is an, a, a man and a woman. So you want to see that which, fight. which means that... It, I'm, I'm fucking deadly serious. Which means that it is, it is potentially much fairer to have transgen to have a transgender so sport where it's transgender and it's irrelevant if you're transgender man or one man because you're pretty much fucking close but the caveat would have to be you have to be undergoing testosterone or hormonal treatment to be able to go through it because you've because it's the center oh my god i've just been thrown off youtube i'm telling you twitter just throw me off jack's not even talking should we knock on the head? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have that fight. No, but I'm no, but I'm I'm fucking serious. I'm I'm deadly serious. Okay, I don't, I don't know how many people want to hear it. Um, how do, so here you go. Last question: then. How do you accommodate? How could you accommodate transgender in transgender people in uh, mixed martial arts? But anyone's welcome to do. I just think. Like, you, you know, whatever gender you mat is whatever gender you mat. So, so like, fighting-wise, if you just want to train, it, 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 like, it's no difference to anyone else. But, like, if, like if you know, I just feel um, if you if you if you born a man and that's, that's what you are, that's what you should be fighting. You shouldn't be fighting a woman, do you know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. I mean, like, fucking brutal and saying like oh fuck you but it's just yeah it's a it's a, it's a difficult subject it's, hard, it's super it's difficult hard, hard, hard to explain i just don't feel it, no no i understand it and, and i understand why you don't because it's really hard my daughter fighting some guy who've grown a ponytail <laughs> do you know what i mean some guy who've got like a, a bloke who've grown a ponytail my daughter got fighting because he's he's now identifying as 
Do you know what I mean? Well, and, exa- and I go back exactly, and, and I go back to uh, if my daughter, like if my eldest was your height, was your weight, she had and she had grown up in Tulare fucking combat <laughs> fucking gym, right, and done everything with you, and and they'd be like, right, Dad, can I fight Jack Marshman? For the, uh, I'm gonna fight Jack on the weekend just for uh, I don't know the fucking Tulare fucking wild <laughs> wild caveman caveman and woman like cave transgender title. I'd be like, no, she be right because he's gonna fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> he's a dude. He's, a, he's a adrenaline, testosterone. Yeah. He's, he he does it. He's not just doing it in the gym. He's doing it in school. He's doing. It, he's going home. He's doing. It, he's fighting everyone. And you're like, you go home. You're playing with dolls. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, no. he's trying to kill people. I'm joking, but I knock us in the head. Too much whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> Get a whiskey. Like, being a, listen, yeah. in all seriousness, it's been an absolute fucking pleasure. It's been fucking yeah. brilliant. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, cheers for the trip, mate. Well, we should do it again. Yeah, yeah. Do it again. And um, how do people follow you? What are you on, uh, what are you on Instagram? Uh, Jack Marshman 19, I think. I- I think it is. Yeah, I, I got hacked, I did, so I lost all my social media, but I've You got what? I got hacked. Uh, yeah. You had a shit password, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like <laughs> my name, one, two, three. <laughs> no. I'll stick all the links and things anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm fucking sweet. Yeah. Do it yeah, mate. Yeah, I cheers. enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the HR podcast. Another shout to my sponsors, Monkey Mountaineering, headed up by Sam Marshall. Trekking, mountaineering aspirations, trekking aspirations, getting outdoors and experiencing the world aspirations. Sam at Monkey Mountaineering can help you out. Um, Organises trips, bespoke trips, customizable trips in the UK and overseas. Get out and do something different, especially now that we're looking at you know, things easing up with lockdown, get out and enjoy the world that you've been missing to the last, what, nearly eight, yeah, nearly a year and a quarter, right? Uh, monkeymountaineering.com is the website, or you can email him direct, sam at monkeymountaineering.com. Uh, and obviously social media, 100%, check out their Instagrams, especially, they're at monkeymountaineering on social media. Cheers, Sam, and cheers, Monkey Mountaineering. Also sponsoring the podcast today with the Development Society, DevSock. A community of people who want to be better than they were yesterday. I love this organization. I love what they're about. I love the fact that if you want to go and get some DevSock merchandise, there's some stuff you can only get if you complete a workout that they dictate and you have to prove to them you completed this horrible workout and then you get access to the, the, the merchandise. It's mega. <laughs> the development society.co.uk is a website and they're on they're on Instagram, they're on I think they're on Twitter at the Development Society. Funny enough, oh, they're not on Twitter, they're just Instagram and uh, and Facebook. We, they're on Slack, we've got a Slack community, and they've got a mega daily waves newsletter. Sign up for that. The Development Society, the Development Society, Thank you. Also, sponsoring the podcast, we are the Aardvark Group. Aardvark.group. They are aiming to rid the world of unexploded ordnance and legacy landmines, anti personnel, and anti tank. They do so through deploying technical innovations. They employ a significant percentage of ex military personnel, so definitely check them out. They're on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, as or on Facebook as the Aardvark Group, and their website is aardvark.group. And finally, last but not least, 
um, sponsoring the podcast with Rugby for, he- Rugby for Heroes. They've got an event coming up. I mentioned at the start of the podcast. An online that event is an online gig, a fundraising gig. Uh, the entertainer, the entertainment will be coming from the amazing Tom Kirkpatrick one man band, and it's on the thirteenth of March at eight pm after the England versus France game in the Six Nations. That's Saturday, right? It's a tenner a ticket, easy peasy, really cheap, but awesome entertainment and all in the all in the name of military charities so um go to rugbyforheroes.org rugbyforheroes.org and the details there about getting tickets that's it thank you to all the sponsors thank you to you thank you to my patrons for uh, being patrons and support me on the patreon patreon um yeah till next time out <laughs>